Hi, this is Layla Del Duca, the co-creator of Shudder and the Pantheon Project, and you're listening to Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. Today with us we have Curtis. And that's the bottom line. We also have Ross. Hello. Also featuring Mike. Hi. <laughs> with us today is also Craig. I run the liquor store at the edge of tomorrow. And the guy keeping us all on track and making sure I don't say the wrong names, CBS. <laughs> at least Craig has a job. <laughs> and Rob. Hi. That's Rob. Oh my god. <laughs> wow. Um, alright, so uh, today we have Low Number One, and followed by Red Lantern's Annual Number One, Hawkeye Number uh, 19, Grayson Number One, and Avengers World Number 10. I believe in that order. Sure. Alright. Sounds good to me. So, uh, let's go and start off things with uh, news from Ross and the dog pile. Ross? I think it's more the dog pile, so anyone else have news? <laughs> well, we did just get back from Comic-Con, and Batman Attack on Arkham is fantastic, so everybody should go out and check Arkham it out. Arkham Assault? Arkham Assault, yeah. Fantastic. It is, uh, just to be pre-warned, it is based on the video game, so Batman is a little bit different, but the film is great. When's that come out? Oh, yes, we still got next week, I think. It came out digitally already, I know, but I don't know when the medium Blu-ray comes out. I'd say it's got a few more weeks before it's out. So, and then what we also heard that um, if you, this isn't in catalogs yet, but if you go to your local comic store to get Batman '66 full season, there should be a special edition that is going only to comic book stores. So, if you want to. You know, more news will probably come of this as they actually announce everything that they'll have with it. Yeah, once it's through previews. But go to your local store and say that you want Batman 66 from them. It's going to be a little more expensive, but you'll get something special. That you don't get at Walmart. That you don't get at Walmart. That's cool. Yeah, good times. Yeah, that actually sounds really neat. Um, so how was Guardians of the Galaxy doing? Yeah, Pretty... Pretty good. <laughs> 11.2 million on its opening day. Yeah. Oh, well, Thursday, I guess. Was, was yeah, it significant the, on Thursday? Was there something significant about it? It's the highest grossing film of 2014. Nice leading question. Mm. <laughs> I haven't been doing this very long. <laughs> <laughs> Today, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Oh. What did James Gunn tweet about it? Ross tweet? Um, he said he made more movie, more money in the opening night of that than any of his other movies combined total ticket sales for Guardians than any ticket sales of his other movies. Oh, right. That's crazy. And so he's also done Super and Slither. And James Gunn, if I'm right, he, he directed, he produced. Did he also write the, the screenplay for this? I think he said he co-wrote it. He co-wrote it. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. Like... To have somebody that involved and produce something this fantastic, like it's really, really impressive. Mm-hmm. So, um, what else would we, were we hearing that they they want to change 
the Mighty Avengers, probably to Captain America and the Mighty Avengers. I, I don't know if it's changing or it's another addition to, but it will be Captain America and the Mighty Avengers. Okay. So um, the Falcon's going to get his shot at leadership role. This will be interesting because he's already part of the Mighty Avengers. That's kind of... Shouldn't that be called Falcon and the Mighty Avengers? No? That would be better for me, but he is in the role of Captain America. So... Which the first cover looks awesome. It is funny to me because, like, one of the things that made me so happy about that series was, like, the other characters were asking him, like, oh, yeah, when's Captain America going to show up, Falcon? And he finally was like, it's not Captain America and the Falcon. It's just the Falcon. (laughs) Well, maybe it could be Captain America and the Falcon and the Mighty Avengers. In this case, it might be. I think in this case it would read, Falcon is Captain America with the Mighty Avengers. (laughs) Maybe Captain Falcon and the Mighty Avengers? I feel like we've had this conversation. The Mighty Americans? (laughs) Yeah. I think we had this conversation last time. We did. American Falcon. I actually feel like the exact same line. Sounds too much like a distribution center. Mm. Or a shirt place. Yes, exactly. A shirt company? Yeah. Yeah. American Falcon. American Eagle. There is also two... American Falcon. There's also two more uh, bat titles that are going to be released to DC along with a whole new batch of crazy new releases uh, what we're seeing Lobo Lobo Deathstroke Death, yeah Calderon just, they're just calling it Calderon it's hard for me not to say the witch boy afterwards <laughs> oh Clarion the witch boy Clarion sorry Clarion the witch boy that's going to be its own title mm-hmm. it's going to be its own title and honestly like they're being sneaky about it they don't want to say anything and I see that's the same thing I thought when they said Swamp Thing Animal Man and they blew it up. So, I don't know. Um, Phantom Stranger and Pandora are both ending to create the Trinity of Sin. So, basically, it's combined into one book. Yeah. And the question's going to be there. Yeah, yeah, hopefully the question will get more time. Which, which is be. what they should have done 10, 12 issues ago. Probably. But, you know, I think they may have been hoping to get a question book out, too. But, we'll see. But uh, I guess the two new bat titles are um, Arkham Manor, which is where, I guess, the Arkham Asylum is going to be irrevocably destroyed, and so Bruce decides to put the inmates in his mansion for a time. And I guess it's going to be an ongoing right now. We're going to see a lot of Batman villains currently, along with new characters that are going to occur in the asylum. Yeah, it seems like uh, seems like a bad choice. He's, he's bringing his work home with him. Bruce Wayne and his wacky roommates. How is that more geared along the lines of like Arkham on the Hinge and all that? Those I don't think so. It's supposed to be standard. It's supposed to be standard world, regular New Fifty Fifty Two huh. storyline. So I don't know exactly how it's going to work out. I have a feeling like it's going to be a lot like Batman and Superman, where you don't know exactly where it takes place or anything. You know, it's in the New Fifty Two, but. But when? It's possible. But um, the other one's going to be Gotham University. Arkham Academy? Or, is Arkham, it Arkham Academy? Arkham Academy, I think. Is it no. no, it's Gotham. Gotham, Gotham University, it? yeah. yeah. Um, and it's going to be... It sounds at least more like regular people in Gotham and like how, how this school is doing with Gotham's craziness. Hmm. It seems like an interesting write-up. It's kind of hard to without just reading the write-up for it. I think but. I read where uh, they were saying the character, 
like your main character in the story is actually Gotham City. Like the city as a whole is the character that you're following. Yeah. It's kind of weird, but could be interesting. But those are a bunch of the new ones for DC. They have all of them kind of coming out at the same time, so it was easy to talk about it. But they're also um, what Captain America is just going to continue rolling on with Falcon taking over. Right. Um, Thor, God of Thunder is going to be continuing, I believe. Yeah. But we're also going to get just Thor, which is going to be our female Thor. So, uh, Iron Man, I still have no idea about. So, any idea who's writing the Deathstroke book? Um, I do, but not uh, off the top of my head. Yeah, man, who did uh, just Tony Daniels? Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, I was trying wow. to think who did Death or who did uh. <clears throat> yeah, we talked about Battle that. Battle of the Cow. Yeah. Tony Batman Daniels. or Superman, Wonder Woman. Yep. He's going to be leaving that to do this. Which is too bad because Superman Wonder Woman is fantastic, but hopefully that book will continue just to power through. So should be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, when the end of Deathstroke, the, the end of the series wasn't bad. It's just that middle where things got all dicey and stupid. Oh, yeah, we did, yeah, he who shall not be named ruined it for me anyway. It's just because it just—it's <laughs> like he just did his own thing for right. a few issues. It's like what? That's what he does. And he changed his mustache, which is weird. It was weird. He needs to stay away. I don't think we'll have to worry about that for a while. Probably not. <laughs> I, th- I think he'll probably uh, stay in Mordor for a while. Must <laughs> <laughs> uh, we go on a quest? No, no, he can stay there. To destroy the ring? Now, if we had run into him at the con, that would have been a little more serious than the other dude. Well, he, he looks like he's in better shape than the other dude. <laughs> he might put up a fight. Well, but between the two of us, well, we kind of cross in on it. Yeah. I don't know. We saw Rob. He's looking fine. Yeah, he's no chance. He's definitely in a better shape than the other guy. Pretty funny. Yes, he tweeted a picture of uh, from like a Walmart with a whole bunch of Deadpool stuff in it. He's like, Walmart gets the picture of Fox. Who's funny? Let it go, man. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that the, you know. the test footage stuff will play it for you later, Mike. You gotta see it. Like the weird test footage that apparently I guess was done like three years ago and just been sitting somewhere. Hmm. Anyway, it got leaked with the quotation marks around it, and it's freaking awesome. Like it's great, all CG, but somebody spent some money on making it, man. It's it looks uh, awesome. I saw it took me a minute to realize that that was like an animated character. Right. It looked like a pretty good good render suit. Yeah, yeah. For being quote-unquote test footage of some type, if that's the dirty stuff, man, God, the clean stuff must look amazing because that looks great. Awesome. Put together really well. When did that get leaked? Uh, San Diego. Oh. Oh, yeah. Well, they had that everything. game come out a while back, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, didn't the that, video game did that do very well? I don't know. I've never heard anything about it. No, okay. it killed the company that uh, put it out. Mm-hmm. It was uh, High Noon, I think, was the one. Mm-hmm. And they did. Uh, they had done uh, Transformer uh, uh, games before, but uh, Deadpool killed them. Yeah, I think they expected it to do better than it did. I don't know what happened, but I just heard that they really dropped the ball on that one, and it killed the entire was, company. I heard it was R-rated, and it was a really short game. Because mm. most games like that take around eight hours. Right. So it was like four or five hours. Mm. You're done with it. 
I was sorry, the the one big problem was like it was funny, but there was no replayability. The one thing I kept hearing was like there was no new ground in the game. Like it was all stuff you did before. But but you did it with Deadpool, so that should be you know people should buy it out of respect or something. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It had a lot of cool cameo characters. What more like, do you need? What do you need gameplay a, for? Uh, you got Deadpool. Exactly. They didn't come out with a Guardians game, did they? No. Yeah, yeah, that's, probably, that's probably a good thing. Typically, yeah. when they make movie games, they're not. They're terrible. Good, right? uh, Generally speaking, yes. Hey, so far, Marvel, on the game front, they haven't really done very much or very well. Like, the Thor game was awful. Captain America... Had minimal results. They never even did Avengers. Well, they haven't done anything so. to speak of since, like, the Alliance game or whatever. It was well, a long time ago. They need to just bury the hatchet and go and do another Ultimate Alliance. Because those are the best game series. Yeah. So, although they haven't done a Guardian game yet, they did say that they're making Guardians of the Galaxy for the uh, Disney Infinity game. They've shown those off. Oh, yeah. Okay. Really like okay. Hmm. I have no idea what that is. It's kind of a more, like, kid, I guess, based game. The thing is, like, you can kind of get, you get, like, this little portal and you have figurines. And so you'd have a figurine of Star-Lord. Like Skylanders. And Rocket. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's exactly like Skylanders. No. But an Alliance I don't know, version. see, that doesn't help. <laughs> no, no but, like, a Guardians Alliance game could be oh, yeah. way cool. I mean, the... They got tons of characters they could go with. The The guys that were working on their alliance stuff had it figured out. They made really, really, really good games. Those were fun. Yeah. Replayability, like, oh, yeah. I, yeah. I was surprised the DC didn't go with it because they I made like one the like that. one where you just a Civil War set up where you could choose sides or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, right. There was a ton of replayability there. Yeah. Yeah, because you had to go through it at least twice, if not three times, to get all the abilities and stuff. And play the different characters. And what Moon Knight mm-hmm. and that? I don't remember if Moon Knight was in that one. He was in the previous one. He was in the one before that. Maybe it was Ghost Rider or something. They were pushing. They were yeah, Ghost Rider was something. There. I don't remember. Well, you could tell that they were fans what, with all the cookies that they were putting in those games. Oh, yeah. This is cool. I found this out like a couple months ago. I mean, it's it's been known for a long time by some people. but So the I want to say it was the latest Ultimate Alliance game. The Wii version of it was supposed to have Samus and Link in it, too, as characters, too. <laughs> uh, the Legend of Zelda main character oh. and the Metroid main character. Mm-hmm. But they uh, made the mistake of putting their data on the PlayStation disc on accident. <laughs> and Nintendo told them they couldn't do any of it oh. now because of it. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Nintendo, you do some stupid things. Uh, you don't want your own games on other people's stuff. We don't want to put our characters out there because they're too popular. They're too popular. We don't want people to uh, get things. Well, well, that's that's your whole selling mantra. That yeah. it's not any other option for you, really. I mean, if they made if they made them open world, then there'd be no more Nintendo. Mm-hmm. There'd be Nintendo games, but there'd be no more like Nintendo system. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. The most part. If it wasn't for their games. Like a different difference between like them and Xbox, PlayStation. Xbox PlayStation can all have the same exact games on whatever platform. It's just more a matter of what version of it you'd rather have. And as far as like systems concerned, like both systems do basically the same stuff now. 
it's just more a matter of like which company you rather support. The only thing Mario really has going for it, the Nintendo has going for it, is the Mario. You know, without Mario, then their characters are the only selling point anymore. I like tons of their characters. I don't like Mario. I know that's anything hmm. but uh, at, uh, Ross over there. Whether, whether you say Mario or Link or sort of no, fucking Sonic or any of them, I mean, yeah. all their characters, that's the only thing they have going for them. I mean, if they just got rid of one, it wouldn't kill the entire franchise, but if all of a sudden you could put Mario and Donkey Kong Racing or any of those games on PlayStation instead... Just as a cameo character, all of a sudden it's be not done. that big a deal. Yeah, I, I can agree with the cameo character part. I think that's a little extreme that they just dumped the game entirely because of it, but... At the same time, like, once you open the door, yeah, it's a matter of time before you're just done. <laughs> but no, I... Yeah, going back to Ultimate Alliance 2, there was just so much awesomeness in there. But, uh, I mean, well, even the X-Men games that started that. Yeah, that, that oh, yeah. X-Men Legacy. Uh-huh. With the four characters, awesome. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what the deal was. From what I understand, it was something, something company-wise with them and Marvel. But yes, Marvel didn't yes, want to give them back. back. Yeah. Which is, they really need to because they haven't had a successful game since then, as far as I'm... And on the new systems, man, stuff they could do. Of course, though, you know, for me, all you have to really do is put the old arcade Avengers game out there <laughs> with Cap and Hawkeye and Vision. <coughs> also, or, just the player. button pusher. I have that on my Super Nintendo. I love that game. That game was fantastic. He fought Whirlwind and friggin' Ultron. No problem with that either. Was like the first villain. And Claw, I think. <laughs> oh, Nothing man. can stop me. They, they could really do some cool stuff now, though. Oh, yeah. They would just... Well, heck, Bull- Worldwind was in yeah. the... Well, usually I too. was already attacking it before I finished that line. So. In the space yeah. base? <laughs> Anyhow. So, so I stopped <laughs> talking about Ultimate Alliance 2. Good times. Good times. All right, so we have a question from the week. Uh, if I remember right, it's from Eternal Rage. Craig, Eternal question? Eternal Rage, are you sure? I'm positive. I was hoping it was Space Sheriff Gavin. It's not. Okay. I don't think Gavin knows how to use email. <laughs> he isn't space after all. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, yeah, we do have a question. Was What long-lost comic would you like to see make a comeback? Something maybe Dynamite could pick up or another publisher? Even a character that needs some shine time, like Mike mentioning rereading Frankenstein, Agent of Shade. And this is why I thought it was Space Sheriff Gavin. He ends it with Wakata, uh, Wakasa, Wakasa Which tells you he's a faithful listener to the show. No, stop, stop, stop. We're not over yet. No, not yet. <laughs> okay, so a uh, character you want to see revived? Uh, f- Roscoe. I just don't know yet. Yeah, oh my god. Aquaman. Oh, wait. He's back. He's back. Right. Okay, uh, Curtis? Savage. Well, it's happening. Dynamite acquired the license to the, sh- the spirit, so. Oh, okay. That's going to start happening, so I'm kind of excited for that. Just, just out of curiosity, do you <laughs> think that's a good thing? Yeah. I do. You don't think it's going to be, you know, Spirit the Movie? No. Okay. No. Yeah, I find it unlikely that'll be anything that services. Because I've been waiting for that since uh, they picked up the license for Doc Savage and that other character I can't remember. <laughs> but uh, it's it's about time DC relinquished that and maybe put it to good use at a different company that has 
more of that kind of a focus. Well, a lot of their characters at this point are that new war style anyway. So well, and when they did that, that, that first wave stuff, right, wasn't terrible, but okay. it's not their main focus. And no. Dynamite's got that main focus, so hopefully they can bring that back and let it shine. Cool. Mr. Mike? That's an easy one. We all know the answer. Huh. Shang-Chi, the way he was. was. Oh, okay. He used to be. Well, he's the guy who has a series right it. now. I like that. Nah, it's not the same. All right, Even the miniseries, I mean, they, they, they're trying. And I'll give them props. They're trying, and it's it's okay, but still not the same. Okay, so you're looking for more 80s yeah, martial yeah, arts action. The group that you know he ran with, the MI6 people or whatever. Right. You know, Blackjack, and, well, they killed off one of them, and then the Reston guy, and the little uh, old guy, and... Yeah, the Shane, Shane Chi and the... Uh, yeah, that's like the... the and the team. Yeah, it was just cool. Okay. The way they did it. And then that. the other one, while well, I didn't really read a whole lot of Aliens or Predator, but they're already bringing that stuff back, which sounds interesting, so... Well, yeah, Aliens... We'll aliens is, or they're doing the Aliens with Stonefire or Firestone. So I can't remember their name. Isn't that like Prometheus or something? Well, Prometheus has... There's Prometheus one, there's uh, Aliens one, and then the, the new one in the catalog this month is Predator. And they're all that carrying that same Firestone or Stonefire logo or whatever to it. What so I have to assume that at some point they're all going to cross into each other. Or now that they lost uh, Star Wars, they're going back to Aliens and they're... I don't think the Aliens were ever really gone. No, that's well, true. They, they, they were doing Aliens and Predator stuff. Just not as heavy to do as heavy as they were before well, they had Star Wars. There's a new film coming out, I think, Alien right? Isolation. Oh, oh yeah. right, okay. Yeah. Is it a game? Yeah. Okay, so that's coming out, so they may be trying to jump back on mm, that. Maybe. Game. However, that old that old Marvel stuff, the Star Wars, there, you know, we talked about that the other day, doing that collective edition with all of it. And oh, right, right. Edition, yeah. Which is really cool. Well, the low, low price oh. of nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'm sorry, ninety nine ninety nine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's not try more likely. Keep going. One twenty five, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, that'd be cool, mm. but I hope... It would be kind of cool to see them go back to continue that, or, you know, cause I don't know, I don't remember how it ended, but that'd be kind of neat to see them go back to do it. Just so everybody I'm listening knows, that's, that Star Wars combined Marvel stuff, it, it's 125 and There's a lot in it, but, man, it's pricey. I would be really surprised if the new Marvel stuff has anything to do with anything that they did before. That'd be kind of cool, though. Yeah, it would. I mean, Jax needs to make a comeback. Am I right? At least two of us think so. You talking right. about the rabbit? Yeah. <laughs> Bucky O'Hare. You just agree because it's a mm-hmm. rabbit. Up to that point, you didn't even know what we were talking about. I knew what you were talking about. Wow. <laughs> I read it too. He was a badass, man. <laughs> Craig Carey just come back from the dead. Mm. I'd uh, love to see uh, the characters from Appleseed come back. Okay. But I don't... Uh, well, okay. Seeing as we got like Carta Blanche, give it to some other uh, some other guy. Sure. That'd be great. I'd love to see uh, you know the, uh, the cyborg characters from uh, Appleseed come back. Uh, Union, all those guys. I'd like to go back to uh, the city of Prometheus. Appleseed, uh, uh, Masamune Shiro. Olympus, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Masamune Shiro. Masamune Shiro was kind of throwing a uh, throwing a fit, saying, "I don't know how to uh, I don't know how to draw." Ooh. That's not. 
he's going to digital style. Mm. But Appleseed hasn't done anything in a while, so I can see Appleseed yeah. Revival. Okay, I can see that being a, a good good choice with Appleseed characters. They do have uh, Sideshow Collectibles putting out a... Um, was it a 12-inch statue? Oh, yeah, we saw him out. We saw him out at San Diego. Yeah, that looks, if I had that the dough. Awesome. <laughs> Sideshow, man, they make great products. But yeah, they had the... Uh, they had at least three, if not four, of the main characters from Appleseed out there. They looked, they looked awesome. Yeah. Pretty awesome. <laughs> Rob, um, well, I have a couple. If I could do a team, I would love to get Generation X back. Just like most of those characters are not doing anything right now. Right. Um, not yeah. like anybody needs the new X book, but <laughs> I really love that group, and so I'd love to see them back and doing something with them again. Um. If I could just pick two characters, I'd probably, I'd love to have Impulse back to have his own series again and just, like, do Impulse pre-52. And uh, I'd really like to find a way that they could fit in Connor Hawk, um, the second Green Arrow, into the regular 52 universe. Wow. So that's, a, that's a hard one to match, I think, at this point. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think Connor Hawk would fit at all, but uh, he was a neat idea. They might be going backwards now because what we just discovered that Green Arrow's dad is alive and he looks an awful lot like old Ollie. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Ross. Yeah, uh, yeah. One now. Yeah. I'm All right. Now. Mine's kind of cheating, kind of. But now that uh, IDW has Cartoon Network stuff, right? It'd be cool to see like uh, some of like the Justice Friends and stuff that showed up as extras in the Dexter <laughs> comic. <laughs> All right. Or even like some of the old Hanna Barbera stuff, like Hercules and John oh, Quest yeah. and Space Ghost. All right, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can see some of that. Maybe the Justice Friends would be interesting to see. That'd be pretty funny. Yeah. And they'd fit with the, all the other stuff they're doing right now, especially oh, yeah. with Dexter's Lab and all the other Gindy stuff. Mm. Throw some monkey in there. Awesome. Little the M for monkey. Yep. <laughs> pretty good, also. I could never defeat your fighting spirit, monkey. <laughs> God. Uh, oh, yeah. Right? Um, well, I would just bring back Rom. I you know that's, that's a short answer to that, because... Steve's go-to answer. <clears throat> Man, you got to understand, Rom is so badass. He's, he's shiny, coaster head. I don't know. I, I like Rom, so... I was just I was just thinking Atari Force for some reason. <laughs> Atari Force? Yeah. Oh my God. Man, Atari Force. You know, I, if there's any platform for games or anybody other than like maybe the five of us remember that. I feel sorry that I remember that. <laughs> I don't know if, yeah, man. I, I mean, they did that limited series. <laughs> Which? Comic books. Did they? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. yeah. So, bring that back in comic book form, see what happens. Atari Force. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll rewatch the Atari line of games. Yeah, you know? I, they just demolished that building a couple of years ago, so take take that Atari. <laughs> no, the forces of evil have won. Atari Force has fallen. Perfect time for them to come back from the ashes, Craig. Oh, perfect time. Yeah, I say the reboot Rom. I mean, at this point, whether he's a Marvel property or not, I'd, I'd be all right with that, I guess, as long as he's not a damn Transformer. <sighs> oh, give in. Was, what would you transform into? The, the only option you have is Giant Coaster. coaster. Well, what's <laughs> the only option? What about a DeLorean? Oh, okay. Hang on. No, he was a DeLorean. Maybe he could go back in time and make himself relevant. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. 
so harsh. Did you guys work on that beforehand? <laughs> no. Jeez. Man, it's like you were setting that up for... Oh. Time, time travels and make himself relevant. Man. Steve will give in uh, if he turns into you know, a I do, I do actually Remember like, this, Hasbro. I do also like, tra- I like, I like time travel anyway, so that automatically fits with everything else I like. Mm-hmm. So. DeLoreans, yes. Rom, yes. Shiny things, yes. Ultimate time travel, of course. Relevant things. Hell yeah. You know, I don't care if they're relevant or not, obviously. <laughs> Buy more toys. Mm-hmm. Rom, Rom is the shit. I do, yeah, I do like Rom. So, I'd say bring Rom back. They the only one of the few characters I actually miss from everything else. I mean, Black Knight having his own series is going to be pretty cool. Yeah. I, I'd like to see the Black Knight. I mean, they showed him up real recently in the Avengers world, but right, having his own series would be pretty cool. Yeah. Just I don't know for whatever reason I like I like the Black Knight too. So. Oh yeah, Black Knight was getting some great stuff done in uh, the Excalibur series. Right. Like they were really delving into what his the sword was and what the legend said the sword was. That'd be good to have Excalibur back. Yeah. Have Captain Britain actually relevant again? Yeah. I, well, that's the trick. It's really hard to make Captain Britain relevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even with Captain Britain in my thirteen, like that was a great series. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd like but, to see Starman come back too. Starman? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. I do like the second Starman. Right. Like Judo Starman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which they mention the uncle, and I think we see his jacket in the uh, yeah. in the Stargirl stuff, but right. like, they, that's as close as we got to it in the New 52. From what I hear, out of respect to the guy who uh, created him, they're not really touching the uh, Danny uh, Starman, but huh. he's still... In the universe, I guess. So, so it's put possibilities. What you're saying? Hopefully, All right. maybe someday when the guy decides to come back to it, or they got a good story, maybe. Or Grant Morris decides he wants to just use him. <laughs> yeah, right. That's a good point. Who oh. can stop Grant Morris? He's got black <laughs> magic, no dude. Something else we missed in the news. I don't know how you guys. Okay, so I think that was that everybody for things come back from the dead. Mm-hmm. I know bum, what your news is, though. Well. Yeah. What? I know what your news is. Oh, do you? How are you on the page now, Ross? Well, <laughs> what, what, oh, I got what, nothing. What was, no, I, what, no what was I gonna say? The multiversity math. Boom! <laughs> the hamster wheel is spinning. Then yep. <laughs> there he's tired though. You know. <laughs> is that what a hamster wheel sounds like? <laughs> I think. You know, I don't know how else to ma- emulate it with my with my yes. It needs a little bit of grease. <laughs> it needs to be rebuilt. What it, it sounds makes, like. It makes the hamster work harder. This is a hamster square. I don't know. That's why he has quick bursts of like it turns. And he's like, yeah, crack. Oh, see this hamster. He's got abs, dude. <laughs> Yes, anyway, the map for the universe has been decided by Grant Morris, and then a, I, I don't remember who the other guy is, but apparently he's a mathematician that helped him, like, so Grant had the idea, but to make it all mathematically work somehow, magic, uh, he got help from a, a mathematician guy. Mm. Anyway, so that's, that, so part of that, there's more science there than you think. Mm. I saw a picture of, like, uh, this kind of relates, but of Entertainment Weekly. They put, like, a picture, and it was supposed to be, like, DC big people in it. Right? So you had Dan Didio and Jim Lee, 
and Jeff Johns and Scott Snyder and then the new Superman artist. Hang on. <laughs> junior? Yeah. John Romita Jr.? Yeah. J.R. Jr.? Yeah. <clears throat> Were they in a picture together? Yeah. Huh. And what did that signify? weird that he was on the picture, I think. Oh, it's probably just because it's such a big thing for him to come over and do Superman. Because mm-hmm. he's kind of like a... An, he's like a, a Marvel staple. Legend, yeah. yeah. Sure. Him and his father, both Spider-Man, like... For a long time. Yeah, yeah. royalty as far as artists was concerned with that. Gotcha. So I, and I guess it's like all opinion, like... Yeah, I can see where you kind of might be like, huh, oh, that doesn't make a lot of sense because, like, I'm not a huge... Junior fan, but yeah, I didn't know much about him beforehand. Yeah. And it seemed kind of weird because all the other ones had really big DC books and stuff. Yeah. Of, well, Dan did I, but he's the yeah, he's like the head guy. But yeah, that, that could be some of it, and who knows? You know, there might be some behind the scenes stuff. Maybe he's more important than we think. Yeah. Never. Yeah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> uh. Anyway, I, I can't think of any other news at the top of my head, so... And that was pretty good for question stuff, so... John Lehman. Oh, yeah, that's something else. How did this come in full circle with... Uh, so John Lehman, we've been hearing, is going to be taking over Cyclops. Mm-hmm. That's also something pretty cool. John's, John's a fun guy, he's cool. So that should be an interesting batch of story. So that's a little blurb. There you go, take that, world. <laughs> All right, uh, so we're going to do. I'll move on to the low. Is that what we're doing? Sure. Image Comics Glow number one. This is from Mr. Rick Remender. And, uh, artist name, Curtis? Oh, Greg Tacchini? Greg Tacchini. That's what I'm guessing how to say it. Oh, for the pronunciation. I was yeah. looking for the Tacchini and then the hair. Did you Tady on the no. side over there again? <laughs> That's what I was expecting. To, Somebody to was off the hamster. Yeah, exactly. That square will, man. Good, good times. Just for everyone that the joke beforehand was that he must be a uh, Jawa. Jawa, and so it's not funny anymore. You had to explain it. Yeah, I know. Right? Well, if you're all playing ball at the same time, like the only two that have any practice is Curtis and Rob. That's the one who shut me down. <laughs> uh, all right, Rob, let's have some hello. All right. Uh, beginning. Uh, we're kind of seeing underwater, and we have this giant kind of like lighthouse-type pool. And we have a like kind of a serpent that's swimming after some kind of an anglerfish. And as they get closer to the, uh, to the pool, we see this even larger kind of robotic creature like crawling up over this ravine, pulling down the lighthouse thing. And once we can kind of see it, it looks like it's almost being driven by, like, a skeletal kind of creature. Like a skeleton guy? Mm. That pulls the uh, the lighthouse thing out of its moorings and then throws it back behind it down a ravine. And it glows kind of like a, uh, like a glow stick as it kind of falls into the depth. And kind of our opening panel is the, uh, the stick falling down into the depth of the sea. What's going on? There's a voice over in the background. Mm-hmm. Basically talking about. Excuse me, let me try that again. While that's going on, there's a voice over in the background. Talking about the way uh, his 
way life works for I assume it's the male lead, him and his family, and then his wife's always been optimistic, and how uh, he's more of a realist, blah, blah, blah. Good stuff. Go on. But, um, kind of as we go, it explains that our son is at the point of dying, and it continues to expand, and so to escape the heat and radiation and stuff, we've gone deeper under the water, and that, um, there's probes that have evidently been sent out to find a surrogate planet, and at this point, like, the the husband was basically like, yeah, it's never going to happen. We just need to make do with what we have and see if we can find this other third city that's been prepared under the ocean. But um, the big things that we have is, like, the, the husband kind of feels like he's he's more accepting life as it is and that his wife is, like, more... A dreamer. A dreamer. And, yeah. so. and she's like, no, you have to keep hope alive. Hope needs to live. But they kind of have this whole... <laughs> this whole scene where they're de- debating this, you know, uh, during their morning, and they're both, like, kind of walking around naked and stuff. Um, kind of surreal. The the husband guy's talking about taking the daughters out and teaching them how to hunt and having them bond with the helmet. And the mom's like, no, I don't want to have them... I don't have them do that. They're too young, and... He's like, I started doing this when I was, like, ten. Like, this is just the way of things. And and they're ready to do it. They're ready to take up their space as canes, you know, which is a, an important bloodline. And so she's kind of like, well, if they remember that uh, they even said that they would do this tomorrow, you know, then you can do this. And they kind of open up. Uh, this whole beginning panel stuff was all inside of one room, and we open up the window and see, you know, this crazy fantasy world with flying ships and buildings all packed in together and running water and they're kind of like in a little dome city under the ocean right yeah yeah an underwater dome city that's pretty much what it is and they kind of are talking about how you know if they're going to go hunting they're going to have to go past the the borders of the city right and the kids have never done that and so whenever they come downstairs for the morning the kids are out there waiting and one of them's got you know this kind of like like platinum blonde hair and the other one has black hair which is just like the the husband and wife and they're both like super excited and ready to go for it and I guess one of them is like using this weird kind of symbol type device to water her garden I guess and the mom kind of like tries to distract her with like oh don't you want to stay and water your garden and she's like no no we want to go learn to hunt which is actually kind of it's kind of the thing that's on the cover so which was one of the pieces of art the first time got me interested about the series. Anyways, continuing on, we get a kind of little guided tour of the city, and we find out that evidently the the first Helm's woman that was of Cain's bloodline had found these shells after she killed uh, a mammoth, and each of these shells would tell the true nature of one's heart. And uh, he evidently has a copy of them or so, and he gives them to the two daughters, and he's like, well, as long as you're following your heart, these shells will will glow. So you always know you're on your right path as long as they glow. From there, we kind of carry on to the bowels of the city, and we're seeing all the ships that head out, and we have this kind of younger kid who's working on them, and he's, you know, kind of a scrappy mechanic. And it sounds to me like he's another son. Yeah. But he wasn't in the house with them. I think he's supposed to be the either he was just up earlier or 
I'm not sure what the difference between the two life-wise is, but it seems to me like, yeah, he's their older brother, and maybe, you know, maybe instead of being a, a kid like the other two, a young, young adolescent maybe, because he's definitely working a job, and his job is repairing ships, and, like, the first thing he says to his dad is, well, you can clean out these sponges, they're supposed to be changing every three weeks, and dad's like, rawr, whatever. He goes, how long has it been since you changed them? It's like, check on your car. It's basically what he's doing. The kid's a mechanic working on all those ships down there. So I have to assume that his talents just lie there, whereas the girls are destined for something else. Yeah, they, they're they going out to learn to be hunters, and evidently the, the brother was like, yeah, I was never really into killing that stuff, so... It just seemed odd because he seemed a little separate, but who knows? Yeah. I think it's just his age. I don't think it's the age he's old enough not to live at home. Probably. But um, from there we get to see the the helm, which is like a kind of a mechanical suit, it's like a dive suit. Yeah. And evidently they're keyed to a certain genetic code, so only the Kane family can use the helm. And he makes a deal of kind of mentioning that this is the last helm that they have. Right. And we kind of get to see the ship take off from uh, from its mooring and leave the uh, oh leave the city limits, I guess, out into the open ocean. Right. Which is like, all of this stuff is really beautiful scenes, but um, them kind of leaving out into the sea is is pretty impressive. And um, the blonde-haired daughter is talking with the mom while the black-haired daughter is down with the dad in the hold, and. Uh, the blonde is like, oh, gosh, I really hope we see a mammoth. And the mom's like, well, you know, whatever you hope for, you'll probably get. <laughs> so she's like, we should see the biggest mammoth ever. And, like, wants her to go to this kind of dangerous part of the sea. And as they're piloting along, she's like, well, you might get your wish. And it looks like they, uh, we kind of come to the thing that we saw at the beginning of this story, this giant kind of robotic suit. Oh, yeah, you're talking about the dive suits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of braced on that lighthouse. But it's got it bent over so that at a distance you probably would think that it was the lighthouse. Right. And we kind of see in the glow that it, the, of, the, of the other lighthouse thing that it did dropped into the uh, cliff behind it several more of these creatures with the tanks. But as she's piling around, she sees this giant octopus, which is evidently a mammoth. Or, uh... Yeah, they call them mammoths, right? Yeah, squid. Yeah. 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 But, um... Squid, but they're, they're the size of creature is what they're referring to. And so they start chasing it and, like, tell the dad to get ready. And as they follow it in, the, uh, the octopus starts spraying its ink, and it's like, uh... It does it in such a way that it, it was almost tactically trained. Like, uh jamming device. Yeah. yeah. Like it was using it more effectively than, it norm- than a normal squid would use or a mammoth would use. And as they come out of the ink, they want it being right next to an enormous uh, undersea vessel. And we see more of these kind of almost like zombie uh, underwater guys. Yeah, it doesn't look like Marauder style. Like, yeah, more like where the city is all kind of clean and kept. These guys are like the refuge from outside the city, I guess. Right, mm-hmm. but they had a different name, too. Yeah. It made good. them sound like uh, they were... Uh, yeah, they're definitely in their own kind of group. I'm trying to scan for the name real fast, but... The, uh, 
you know, the, the mom realizes that they're in a trap, but it's too late. And so the first thing they say is, like, to fire the coffins, which are basically, like, hollow torpedoes that drop in individuals. So they fire at least three of them into the ship, and so you got these three soldiers that drop down, and the father's trying to get the uh, the suit ready to go. Right. And as he's doing it, he notices that the daughter has, you know, all these laser spots on his head, on her head. Right. And he's basically like, oh, well, you know, the suit will protect you, but uh doesn't do very good for your passenger here. It, they kind of muddled that, because I remember the uh, panels on that one were super tiny. So yeah. it took a minute to realize that, oh, yeah, there's there's a uh, you know uh, laser tags on his uh daughter's head yeah and the characters are also kind of crazy looking because like one of the one of the people that's facing him looks very humanoid but then the guys behind him look like, yeah. like all kind of crazy like mutants and skeleton people and yeah. this and that so but evidently these are the people that are born outside of the city and so they've become somewhat less than human in certain cases. Uh, they said the mines were supposed to keep away the the scruff. Was that what they uh, called them? They had a minefield set up that was supposed to keep out. Oh, the uh, scurvies. The scurvies. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's actually what they call it. That's right? what they called, the, mm-hmm. they called these guys. And, uh, they got in their mind to steal the helm. And ultimately, like, they kind of tell them, hey, well, it won't do you any good anyways because you can only use it if you're a cane bloodline. And uh, the uh, the more humanoid-looking guy says, "Well, you know, there's there's a funny thing about that. It's kind of those catch-22 that the DNA scanner takes a retinal print, and so I really don't need the blood as much as I just need an eye." And so he winds up actually taking the father's eye out in front of the kid, which is crazy. And like the mom comes out and she winds up kind of being captured along with them, and, and the second daughter comes out, she actually harpoons him. But, uh... I'm pretty sure it's the mom that shoots the harpoon, actually. Not sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It's like the darn me. Huh. But, um, either way, not too too much of a veil. You know, they, they wind up not... Didn't really wind up even hurting him that bad. It didn't look. No, it looks like he takes the harpoon and, like, no, he's like injured, he's but it's nothing. So, the scurvy... Eh, not quite as soft as a regular person. It's hard to say, you know, with, with these guys how tough they are, because, like, the father is definitely still alive even after his eye has been popped out of his head, so... Right. But, um, they basically decide, well, we're going to leave you, but, uh, we're going to take the kids. And so, uh, as they take off with the armor and the kids, they kind of vow that they're going to get revenge, but the ship just kind of is floating off on its own towards the towards the bottom of the abyss. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the issue basically ends with the mother said, I'll find you regardless, I'll find you wherever you're at. Yeah. That's pretty much where it closes. And it, it has a return to the beginning where the father was kind of like, ah, you always, you know, your endless optimism is useless. And then at the very end, she's like, don't give up hope, we'll find you. And he's kind of thinking, like, uh, why? Why do you have to be, you know, why are you worrying about them giving up hope when you. You know, we're in such a hopeless situation. So I don't know. It, it seems it seems like an interesting story. Uh, I 
definitely the idea of hopelessness or having hope is going to be a big part of this thing because he, he mentions even how when he found out that the sun was just getting bigger and bigger and ultimately, you know, at some point everything's going to be devoured. Right. That, like, he lost hope and, like, everything seemed pointless and it wasn't until she came along that he felt better about things and, like, decided to kind of move out of his funk. Right. So I'm sure that's going to play an angle in the story, but, yeah, it was a... Uh, I was really happy with it. I, I wasn't really super jazzed for low, but I've read it. It's actually really good. So. It has a real pulp vibe to it, like some sort of uh, Flash Gordon-y underwater. Oh, yeah, you see that, I guess. Buck Rogers-y yeah. kind of. I just remember, too. Lately, that dude can't miss. Yeah, I like remember style a little bit. So it kind of, for me anyway, I'll have, you know, I right. have faith that he'll, he'll make it work he's juggling quite a few books but I mean the ones I'm reading are awesome so like right. Deadly Class and Black Science you know so I like I like Remender's street stuff a lot like when he was working with Daredevil and Iron Fist and all of them so but this this seems like a really good take so far so. He, did, he did Punisher too for quite a while didn't he yeah he did yeah he did well, um, let's go and score a book. Curly's uh, go. <clears throat> I'll give it a three. It's not Rick Remender solid, but it's going to get there. Okay. And uh, the art takes a bit to get used to. He's kind of got more loose lines than he used to. But uh, it's getting there, and it makes me want to read the next book, so I'll give it a three. Okay. Mr. Ross? I'll give it a three, too. Sounds like it's a... A three or a three-point-two? A three point two. <laughs> Just because Mike gave me that option. <laughs> yeah. All right, Mike. I'll give it a three. Mm-hmm. Um, like Curtis says, remember, so right. he uh, usually makes it work pretty well. And again, he says the art takes a little getting used to, which is true for me. It's you know it is a lot like the well, not a lot, but it has some similarities to the undertow. Oh, yeah, the story immediate similarities story, but I mean, it's not anywhere being, near that, yeah. you know, crazy, but it's, it does take some getting used to, but that's, like I say, it's remember, so I'm in. Cool. Uh, Mr. Craig? Oh, three's probably fair, yeah. The uh, interior art kind of makes me think of uh, uh, Nodo's interior arts. Oh, so? Covers. You know, I, I guess he's similarity. He's, uh, he's a little loose on his uh, interiors, too. Hmm. Okay, yeah, I can see that. It's got the scribbly kind of line, but the color is all seamless. Right. Yeah, I can see that. All right. Um, you know, I, I I give it a three as well. Uh, it, it was it was a good read. I'm interested in it just because it reminds me of the best, and uh, it reminds me of Undertow also, which I liked. So as far as, like, stories are concerned, it's definitely a starting point, so you get the whole background of the world, sort of. But that, yeah, I don't know. I, it was interesting enough that I, I'm interested. I want to read more of it. So, um, so three. Uh, Rob, I'm actually surprised. I, I liked it a lot more than I guess I, I'm gonna go for. I mm-hmm. was really surprised with it because it wasn't one that I was originally looking forward to. Right. But uh, yeah, I thought it knocked it out. And I I didn't have a problem with the art. I thought actually it was really well done. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed the story. I think it's a beautiful looking book. So hopefully it'll continue to be amazing. So. Right on. 
All right, let's move on to uh, Red Lantern's annual number one. Written dun. by Charles Soule. Dun, dun, dun. And drawn by Miguel Sepulveda. And uh, for those who don't know, Atrocitus is back. Or those who really don't know, he was beaten up by Guy. <laughs> Being by Guy Garner and Almost like his Red death. Lanterns were stolen? Yeah. Kind of like the core. So he, yeah, so he's back, and there's kind of a civil war between the Reds now. Those that follow Atrocitus and those that follow Guy. So we have um, Atrocitus with his little group of lanterns, and they've taken over the space sector 2814, which is Earth. Right. And that was Guy's doing. Um, and Skullix has come to Atrocitus, who was following Guy, but has changed now because Atrocitus has avenged somewhat on his home planet of Stige, Stige, or something like that. And and Atrocitus has built a new blood lake on Stige after poisoning the blood lake on Yasmol. Right. So he's 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 over bearing Earth, and um, Skullix is with him, and Skullix has visited Earth before with Guy, and Guy showed him Baltimore and told him to go run free, and they went and visited all of Earth, so... Right, we I basically gave him a tour of the planet. <clears throat> so he knows Baltimore's guy's home plan, plant, home city, <laughs> and he sends down his Reds to destroy Baltimore, Paris, Arizona, Egypt, Nevada, China, and Spain. So all the uh, quote unquote seven wonders of the world plus Baltimore. So he he's a. Uh, He's kind of trying to instill rage in the human population, and it's working. And he shows up on I don't know, like a big screen, and yeah, it's like a giant pro- projected yeah, of himself. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty crazy. I don't understand how exactly he managed to do that, but and all he right. and he goes off to say, hey, humans embrace your anger, this and that, and uh, follow, come with me, and I can help you, stuff like that. Right. And he has this other Red Lantern with him named Clark, I think. Yeah, I think so. And with this new Blood Lake, he has created thousands and thousands of rings. So with all the rage that's going on on Earth right now, all these rings will find humans and hosts. Right. Uh, I don't know if it was just an artist's mistake or if this is supposed to have significance, but I noticed that all the new rings, the lantern symbol is sideways. Huh. Instead of up and down like it properly would be. And it's got more of a blue background, like an old energy field background. So. Yeah, so I wonder if that's supposed to have some significance or if it was just an artist issue or what. Maybe just to signify guys' rings from his rings, maybe. Maybe, probably. It's been a while since I checked out anything Red Lantern-wise. Do they, does it still like drain the blood out of people and replace it, it with... It places it with In neighbor. theory, yeah, it should. So we see all these rings fly down into Earth, and we see a bunch of uh, humans get transformed. And Now, to further on your question, though, Ross, with the new Blood Lake, we yeah. don't really know if there's new rules. Gotcha. So I was going to say that would be really, really bad news. On yeah. top of that, if all these right. You build your Blood Lake, and somebody has to go and poison it, and <laughs> your new Blood Lake is never as good as the old Blood Lake. So then we're back to the Calbar, which is the flagship of Guy. He stole it from a guy named uh, Barge, I believe his name is. Yeah, I think so. And uh, Barge has kind of turned toward Atrocitus Red Lantern. So 
we see this and we see Zox at the panel and Guy sees the Earth and Guy gets thrown into the kind of the, the projected image of the Earth and notices, hey, all these damn red rings are going out to humans and he was he was wondering when this was going to happen, the attack on Earth. He just didn't know when. Right. And uh, so he says he's got a plan for revenge and he kind of appoints himself as their leader. Although he's never said, hey, I'm going to be your leader. We're all going to think freely. Right. Yeah, there's actually even a line in there where, as he's asserting himself as a leader, one of the other characters says, I thought we didn't have a leader. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's the person's immediately shut down one of the other reds and says, yeah, no, ever since Guy took over, he's the leader. Yeah, I think Zox says that. Yeah, Zox, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. So, the one who's like, no, I didn't think we had leaders. And yeah, Zox is like, you know, wake up. He's been in charge since he got here. Yeah, he... So Guy's testicle is kind of his right hand man right now, not literal <laughs> testicle. Being in Zox is a giant ball. <laughs> <laughs> so then we cut back to Trosidus and Skolix, and Skolix is like, "Hey, there's a lady on this planet. I think she's got great power. Um, can I go down and get her?" And, and Tross is like, I, "I don't care. You're worthless to me." Um, at first he's like, "Is this a sly betrayal effort on your part?" And he's like, "No, no, no." So then we go see, uh, we cut back to uh, Rancor, who is actually in the brig of the Kevlar. And Rancor's kind of gone back to his primal state and his rage, and he's just driven by rage. Yeah, he's definitely being fueled by the anger. And Blizz is there talking to him, and she says, hey, if you can't avenge yourself, or we will avenge the earth, the, earth, the earth for you. Yeah, she basically apologizes for not being able to save him. At this point, he's been, like, crazy, retarded crazy. So, like, before he for got a minute. thrown into the, the lake. Right. Before he got thrown into the lake, yeah. And she says, well, if we can't save you, we're going to save your planet. And that's basically where she walks off. So then, guy shows up in Gotham, of all places, and he he wants to contact Batman because he knows Batman can contact all the superheroes. And if one person would have a plan for a whole army of lanterns to show up on the Earth, it'd be Batman. And he speaks with Batman, and I think uh, at at the bottom of the page he says, I'm not here to fight you, I don't have time, and Batman says, hey, I know it would only take one punch. It wouldn't take a long, <laughs> Gardner. And guy says, not in this universe, so I think that's kind of funny that we're in the new 52. And <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a nod to the old Justice League of America. And then uh, Guy kind of relays his plan, like, hey, these are still human, they still feel... Um, the plan of action is containment. Don't incinerate them. And I'm incinerate. And he says, whatever, man. Flies off. And then he says, I got this. And Batman's like, who are you trying to fool? Right. Who are you trying to convince, guy? Mm-hmm. So we show up in Jerusalem where, of course, we know is where the Shadow Thief is. And she has got a red ring now. So she's captured kind of the light and the dark. And that's where Skolix is. And Skolix kind of knocks her out. And he says, I'm going to take you back and put you in the lake so you can become kind of sentient. Right. He wants to make her like them. He wants to awaken her. So we go back to New York City and we see uh, this red lantern in front of a city bus ready to pound it. We see Supergirl fly up and uh, pick up this guy and take him into the air. And guys are waiting for her and he just tells her to drop him. And and he says he may get hurt but he's not going to die. Right, It'll just knock him out. Him. Yeah. <clears throat> so they have this conversation about he doesn't want to get her involved anymore because, hey, she's been a Red Lantern before, and he asks her how that 
how she got rid of it. And she said, I just let go. You should try it. And he says, maybe not now, but later. And uh, he, he kind of asks for her help, but he doesn't. And uh, he says it wouldn't be right. But she says, shut up, and I'll help. I'll do what I do. I'll, tell me what you need. Right. <clears throat> what I like, and I think this shows a, a growing up on Cora's part, is that you know he calls her kid a whole bunch. And she, instead of her getting ticked with it like she would have before, at the end of it, she's like, shut up, kid. Show me what you need. You know, to go along with the guy. So we got Zox back up over uh, Stidge Prime, which is where the new Blood Lake is. And he's ready to take out the uh, uh, the Blood Creed, which is kind of what that empire is on the Blood Lake for Atrocitus. And he begins firing on it. And uh, we see inside the kind of cathedral place on the lake, there are about three Red Lanterns in there. And one of them is Barg, the one that stole the Kevlar or Calvair or whatever it's called. Yeah, the Calvary ship from. So they decide they're going to take out the ship. <clears throat> Three-prong attack. One of them gets shot down, so there's a two-prong attack. Right. And uh, we see that, hey, Rancor is on the ship, but they say it's time, and they can communicate with him, and he becomes human again somewhat. Right. Yeah, he just stands up and he starts yeah, talking about them. I'm tired of the crazy act. Yeah. Which is crazy because up to this point he's been babbling gibberish. Yeah. And he's sitting there rocking back and forth on the floor. So, so Barg is like, he gives him the code to get out of it because yeah, it hasn't been changed. Yeah, Barg's got out of the ship before, right? Yeah. He's like, yeah, I definitely changed, changed me my code. I know everything. So then we're back on Earth and we see out in outer space the ship kind of comes out of, I don't know, warp speed and shows up. And it's a ship from a planet that they had liberated as slaves under General Ginsu, I believe his name is. <clears throat> and they begin emitting a white light toward the Earth, which kind of pacifies all this rage. And uh, one of the generals, or the, the, the pilots of the ship, or, I don't know, captain, explains that that is what happened. Captain, yeah. It's... It, was, it, it was so he could manage them and make them slaves. And then we see the hole get breached by Atrocitus, and he's got his minions out there and tear them apart <clears throat> so we cut back to Stitch Prime and uh, uh, the ship has been compromised it appears and the whole integrity is failing and we have Zox at the control panel and Rancor shows up they kind of have this battle and Zox is like out of all the people I, I didn't expect you to turn against us and uh, they kind of go to blows and poor little Zox get gets punched in the eye and out the back of the head. Yeah, he straight up, like, comes at him, and, yeah, he takes him out with, like, a fork. Mm -hmm. That's a shame. Yeah, Zox is a good dude. So then we're back at the uh, the slaver ship, and Atrocitus has bleeds in kind of an iso cube, it looks like. A little bit. And uh, he's just kind of, kind of taunting her, and, and Bleeze is saying that, uh, that bleeds is dead, and I won't mourn her death, and I won't mourn yours. And we have Dexter sitting right by uh, Atrocitus, and he gets zapped away. And we see a uh, guy has showed up with Supergirl. Yeah. And, uh, I'm pretty sure that actually Dexter was making the, the cube, too, because uh, as soon as he gets blasted, it seems to break around her. And so Bleeds is able to join the fight with him as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Atrocitus kind of just vanishes and goes back into the ship. And we follow 
and we and we cut back to uh, Zox, and we see that Rancor is saying, "Hey, all's clear up here," and then we see um, he kind of has this struggle with himself, and you see he says, "We've been over this. You can't fight me. It's just a waste of time, child." And he reaches into his mouth and pulls out this parasitic giant worm. And uh it's really pretty gross. Yeah, and he's he's and it's it's talking, it's saying, Stop, put me back in, we're good together and we find out that it was a parasite that Atrocitus implanted in Rancor to keep him um subdued and on his side. And to manipulate him. The parasite itself also has a red lantern symbol, so Yeah. It has its own ring. It's its own ring, yeah. And uh we see him walk up to Zox and he's like, I'm sorry, Atrocitus put that in me he said, no, that's, that's fine. I'm done. You can't help me. Uh, get off the ship. And then we cut back to Blee's, and she's killing things. And uh, she's asking um, Supergirl if she wants another red ring. She's like, no, I'm good. And she says, good, more for me. And she grabs the, the ring of the thing that she killed and puts it on her finger. We, see, we cut back to Zox, and he's on his way down. De- uh, detonation's imminent because... They started a detonation sequence on the on the carrier. He just keeps on going down, and uh, finally the computer chimes up, and uh, it's it's evidently he's searched for definitions of testicle throughout the galaxy, and he finds out in his final moments what a testicle is. <laughs> and he, at first he looks enraged, and then he just laughs. <laughs> Gardner, <laughs> that's been going on for a while. Oh yeah, that's oh yeah, from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So then we see the Kelvar ship headed toward the new Blood Lake and crashing into the the citadel that's located in the middle of it. So he's kind of done his part at what he can. And we cut back to Guy and and Blees, and and they're trying to gain compliance of all these Red Lanterns on the Earth and trying to take them away from Atrocitus. And Blees knows that, hey, we've got blood magic on our side, and I know how to do it. So they form a circle... And they get about, I don't know, a handful of Red Lanterns up on their side. And we cut around to uh, Atrocitus, who's on the other side of the world, doing the same blood magic. And he's got a lot more Red Lanterns on his side. Yeah, just, just about all of them. Yeah, all those rings are spilled out earlier, man. There's so many. And, like, all the different lines on Earth were crazy. Yeah. So he's got a lot of human Red Lanterns. And he's trying to hit Guy where it hurts. Good book. <laughs> Good book. I'm, I'm actually surprised this is the first Red Lantern annual. Because, you know, it's up yeah. to 33 like the rest of them. I, I can't. I kind of thought they actually did do an annual before this point, but... Well, there's um, a couple books in DC that are just getting their first annuals this year. Right, right. Uh, Rossman score book? I'll give it a four. Seems oh. awesome. I like having Atrocitus be more uh, villainous again, I guess, would be there anywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. Mr. Mike? I would give it a four as well. It's like wow. Ross just said. I mean, Atrocitus was kind of a whiner there for a while. Right. And when Soul took over, he cranked it into high gear. You know, the whole Supergirl story was what got me going on it again. Right. And, uh,. It's unfortunate about Zox. He was one of my favorites. But uh, the fact that they did 
tie up that loose end with the testicle thing. Yeah. That is awesome. That, that was a, <laughs> a little, it's, I mean, it's not, it's just a little thing, but it, the payoff is big. Yeah, if you've been it. reading it. Oh, yeah. You know, but yeah, it's excellent story. Well, that's the nice thing when you can have little things like that that actually mean a lot, you know, something like the joke earlier with Batman and, and Guy, and then that, yeah, they're cool little small details. That, yeah, just the little things. Yeah, it's I mean, great like to that. have in there. All right, Craig? Oh, uh, I'll give it a three. All right. It's uh, crammed with a lot of uh, character moments in there. It's good. I just, I just, I can't warm up to the uh, uh, to the Red Lanterns. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the beginning, when they you know heard that guy was going to become a Red Lantern, I was real. It's like, yeah, you know, they're just being used to him being in the core. Mm-hmm. But it's turned out really well. well I was super charity because I love Guy Gardner, but I've been really happy about his presence in the core since the beginning of the '52. So, in a way, I kind of felt like this is going to be his own book. Well, he's had a yellow ring, he's had a green ring, he's had the red ring. Well, his supporting cast, a pink ring. His supporting yeah. cast, if, you know, you could call it his own book, but the supporting cast really mm-hmm. makes oh, yeah. a huge difference. Yeah, I believe um, there's all of them there. So individual, I guess, even though I mean, there may be other same species, the way they're set up, man. Yeah, well, they give them all. And, like, Rancor is cool. Bleed is cool. I mean, Zox is cool. It's, yeah. it's been a long road, but, yeah, they really did a good job of building these guys. Well, so. maybe he was cool. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Let's see. Well, dun, dun, dun. Uh, you never say never in comics, but... Never. Right. He looks, he looks pretty much He looks like pretty messed up, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I I give it a three and a half. Um, it was, it was a fun book. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot that happens in there, and like setup wise, you see, like the entire time, like guys got a plan he's working towards. So I'm interested to see what happens with that, like what the rest of the plan is, and like at this point, we haven't seen Atrocis be in control of anything for a while. So I'm pretty pretty stoked about that too. That was pretty cool. The stuff with Rancor and that other thing that was living inside of him. That was ridiculous. Crazy. Uh, I like how when he kills him, he takes the ring, so he's wearing that too. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob? Uh, I give it a four. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great story. Um, it's nice to have the annual be a big, important part of the story. And like this felt like it was really worth it because it was like a really big part of what's going on next. It so, mattered. Yeah, it mattered. When they usually don't. Sometimes, yeah. That's, that's my, my my kind of gripe with a lot of annuals is that they really don't matter. But, like, this one was definitely a big part of the story, so I was really happy with it. Well, yeah, I think a lot of important things that started in this book. Yeah. Oh, Curtis, score. I'm teetering on 4 or 4.5, but I'll, go, I'll give it a 4 because Skolix is gone, right. Ratchet's dead, right. now Zox is dead, all his core main characters are dying. Right. Really did... did Dexter just get blasted or to get the, no, I don't oh, care. No. that's 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 the he's he's no, yeah. is good. But, but but guys main lanterns that he yeah. started with, they're all leaving him or dying. Belize is about the only one original She's she's it. And Belize and so, Rancor and that's it. I'll give I'll give it a four. I really enjoy it, especially after watching Guardians of the Galaxy like the space stuff, so <laughs> it's good times. Right on. And Atrocitus is this is the worst that he's ever been. 
Right. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, Saber when he first showed up in like Blackest Night and stuff. Yeah. Rage of the Red Lanterns. I mean, no, this was he was pretty evil in that. Yeah, but to, like, to, yeah. to turn a whole world. Right. Yeah, that's true. Full of Red Lanterns. This is the worst he's ever been. Yeah, that's pretty he's bad. How he's like, uh, how his uh, rage has and built up over time. I just, for him. I just realized that um, when Supergirl picked that dude up, guy said that they haven't learned how to fly yet. Right. Now he's got a thousand some Red Lanterns knowing how to fly, so this is going to kick off into high gear, I think. Right? Yeah, so. that's crazy. And there's so much involved, so many people, so many different. And, uh, and of course, the roles. other thing is uh, what they brokered the whole deal so the Green Lantern Corps wouldn't get involved. Mm-hmm. So there's you know Guy and Supergirl and please and that's that's almost it. Mm-hmm. Whoever, whoever Batman's going to dredge up. That's for the containment. Yeah. Right. Be that could be really cool, actually. It'd be interesting to see. Hopefully we can see Batman in a bat spacesuit. <laughs> Batman, you are filled with great rage. You know, I was really surprised the ring didn't follow him. Because that would have been the third core. Actually, yeah. fourth core. Fourth core. That Batman would have been invited into. <laughs> right. So. That's a good point. Huh. It's been yellow, green, white. I can see Batman as Rage. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can see Batman as Rage too. Well, with the whole Damien thing going on, yeah. Uh, even <laughs> yeah, yeah, even that that adds to that. And just um, Charles Soule was talking about Red Lantern book and where it's going with that five years later thing, right? And they kind of spoiled the cover for it and showed a uh, guy with a blue ring. Ooh, hmm, interesting. I wonder if he thinks about this stuff when he's in court. Probably. <laughs> I'm jacked, Ratchet. <laughs> oh, pardon, I'm sorry. Uh, what, is that your honor? <laughs> be like Drake. Yeah, yeah I, I'd be surprised if he didn't at least a little bit. I don't know if that guy's human. Uh, you know, All the stuff he juggles. It's a good question. It's a good question. Man. Yeah, that's crazy. We actually were talking about talking about Soul with uh, with uh, Stanford Green and Ed McGinnis. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Because what he was a, he was an inch away from writing or from drawing um, Deadly Class, wasn't? It? Well, for Reminder, yeah, we explained from Reminder to Charles Soul, like we were just, when we were talking to him, and that that's about the time Ed showed up, and yeah, like neither, neither one of them could could hardly, could hardly believe it either, because it's just crazy how many books he's on and how good they are. Yeah. And the fact that his other trial lawyer stuff is crazy. Anyhow, a little sidebar, I guess. Alright, uh, well, let's move on to hockey. Hawkeye. Hawkeye, my bad. Seriously? Hawkeye. Hockey? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be playing, uh, the great little Clint Bargain. <laughs> yeah. well, what, is, what is the famous Wayne word? Uh, Clive. 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 Yeah. Oh. Uh, Hawkeye. Hawkeye number 19. Hockey? Well, there's not a you whole... You can do hot guy. That's what everybody gets from the series. There's not a whole lot to really... It's a pretty slow issue. There's not much dialogue. But no. the last time we saw... Well, unless you can sign. Well, yeah, which I don't... I don't know that stuff. Right. Signing in sign language. Right. Um, last time we saw... Well, I wasn't talking about Wiley Coyote. Clint Barton and his brother, Barney, who's trying to help get on his feet. Um, Clint's had this war going on with the tracksuit mafia over this building. She's befriended the tenants, and that's that's been the whole point of the whole thing. Um, right. He's trying to protect them because they want that building, so they want them out. But uh, 
Last time we saw them back in issue 15, since they like to switch back and forth between Kate Bishop stories and Clint Barton stories. Right. It's been a while, so it's kind of tough to kind of uh, get back on track. It's been a while since the last one came out, that's true. And it got on top of that, so I mean, you're looking at issue 15, and last time we saw them, they had uh, been uh, from, shot down. Yeah, from, like. from the look of it, gunned down, both of them. Yeah. yeah it didn't look good for... Didn't look good for the old Barton boys. No. <laughs> How are they going to get out of this? Um, but as we open this, um, they had been gunned down by the assassin that the tracksuits hired. Um, and we start out with uh, a little glimpse of the past when Clint was a kid because he's had, he's had, he had hearing issues. He's been deafened by this uh, incident. And he had uh, an incident when he was a kid and uh, obviously it bothered him a lot. Um, we cut to the present. Um, they're being released from the hospital, and he's just kind of sitting aside while his brother does all the release paperwork, and it's just empty word balloons and some signing. And he's tr his brother's trying to sign to him, and he's just kind of ignoring it. Um, yeah, it's evidently Barney at some point. I guess when they were kids, he must have learned sign language all the way through, although whether Clint did or not. Yeah, obviously it doesn't look like he really cares. He's a little upset. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they hop in a cab, and uh, Barney's trying to communicate with him, uh, and he just doesn't doesn't respond whatsoever, and Barney gets a little irritated. Right. Um, then we cut to the airport, where this uh, obviously tracksuit character is uh, arriving, and I do believe he's like, uh, the, he appears to be the boss. He definitely seems to be higher up the food chain than what I would have thought he was in I believe his name's Ivan, and I, if yeah, I recall, Ivan. He, was, he was involved in the beginning of the, yeah. Of the, the uh, yeah, I think series. I, yeah, Ivan is definitely one of the, the head guys. He's not the head guy, because I think that's the he's old one. Of them. The yeah, old but he had yeah. to disappear. Yeah. Um, I, I love this conversation they have, though, because they're holding up the sign waiting for him. And, you know, the two guys that are waiting for him is like, why would they have an alligator at the airport, bro? You're stupid, bro. That was definitely wolf zone. <laughs> Sometimes in Florida, they have the alligator wearing signs and stuff. But, like, yeah, it was definitely a wolf zone. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, the tracking on that was weird. I kind of think it's done on purpose just to, for the whole idea of not understanding sign language. And the same thing, not understanding what the signs mean, what they're supposed to mean. I think it's just how they talk. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I'm pretty yeah, sure it's just like you know, make a comment yeah, about how you need a sign for me because they got the guys out there with yeah, his name on it. That's true. And he th just tells them to take his crap. Where's the limo? And then finds out there really isn't a limo. It's just an old van. He, he's not real happy about that. Um, but he figures out that the the assassin that they hired is sitting in there waiting for him, and he starts to get a little nervous. Yeah, he's sitting there with a gun in his Yeah, he pulls out that gun, and <laughs> Ivan kind of freaks out a bit, but he hands the gun to him, telling him, you have a rat problem that you need to take care of before they can take the building over. And I'm assuming he's uh, talking about the Barton boys. Yeah, I, I would assume that and the tenants. Because he didn't get it done, obviously. Well, no, yeah. Uh, we cut to the, the uh, Barton boys' apartment, or in the building and uh, brother Barney's in a wheelchair and he's yelling at his brother Clint who is drinking and more sign language 
uh, panels. So again, I don't know sign language, so be, man. as oh, far as I can tell, it, it seems. Hey, man, you should probably take a shower because you kind of stink. Yeah, yeah, I've kind of got the impression <laughs> he smells his shirt and just kind of waves it. Right, right, right. yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Um, so Barney gets a little aggravated and leaves, and he starts cursing and yells ass in the hallway, which gets one of their uh, one of the other tenants' attention. She goes in and talks with them, um, and they're all a very pretty tight-knit group. Um, he goes back out into the hallway where he runs into his brother, um, tries talking to him, signing, and Glenn just ignores him. He starts to go up the stairs, and then he stops, turns around, and he drags his brother in the wheelchair up the stairs to the roof where Barney continues to try to talk to him, yelling at him, and grabs a hold of him, trying to get his attention, and he smacks him. <laughs> right, in, right in the mouth. Mm-hmm. And he kind of starts forcing him to read his lip, and then, yeah, and then he punches him right in the face. Which kind of takes Clint back to the past again, when he was going through this before. And uh, Barney is drinking, and they're both pretty young. Looks like he's got a bottle of something he's drinking, and he's mad about something. He's trying to talk to him, and uh, he's trying to get him to get up. If I recall right, their their dad was uh, yeah, he was not quite a, nice a bit guy. of an abusive guy, and like Barney's way of dealing with it was just take the beating until he couldn't give it anymore, and that was the way that you won. And he was angry, yeah. so. Um, Clint makes a comment that he can't get up, and Barney kicks him in the face. That's, and that uh, looks like that kind of irritates Clint just a little bit. He gets up and smacks his brother right in, right in, the, right in the face. And they get into it, uh, yell, at, yell at each other a little bit, and it stops. Um, and Barney is trying to convince him that they can outlast their, their, their dad. Um, he's trying to get him to understand that they just, you know, continue, that they will outlast him. And, and it'll, the problem will go away. Uh, we cut back to the present. They are brawling. And Barney's still trying to yell at him and talk to sign to him. Um, and he does, he, he's, he's reading his lips a little bit, so he's getting, he's getting a little bit of it. Um, and Barney's trying to tell him he can get it all back. And Barney's trying to help him, trying to snap him out of this funk he's in. So, then we got cut back to Barney going back to that same tenant's apartment, and he's talking to her little kids, trying to tell them a story about how, you know, one of his heroic stories about how he handled the problem. And... uh He's he's trying to, con- to tell them, under, you know, make them understand that you you can get hit, you can punch each other as much as you want, but he said even he he said even his dumb self can do that. He said, but to actually do good, to do good, you got to be good. And then he gets interrupted by Clint, who has decided to communicate with him. And he communicates to Barney to get all the tenants together up on the roof. And he gives them this big pep talk 
about how they're going to handle things. He gets them fired up that, that they can win this battle if they if they all get together and do it themselves. Um, it shows a couple of panels of the, you know, I, I, what I'm assuming is some of the damage that's been done by the tracksuits because they already killed one tenant. Well, I think this is damage now being dealt to yeah. the tracksuits, actually. Yeah, yeah. That that's, uh, could be right. It just the panels are different colored um, to kind of highlight them. Uh, they're smashing things. They're all kinds of stuff. But he gets the tenants fired up, and it looks like they're burning vehicles. Um, so Clint's standing there. Barney's on the phone. He can't hear a thing he's saying. Um, but Clint grabs the phone, and he calls his old one of his old girlfriends, which I'm assuming is Spider Woman. Well, I think in this case it's not Spider. I think yes. It's- he calls her. Oh, yeah. So, okay. And uh, he apologized, and he said he needs some help. He said he needs everybody's help. So in the last panel, he's got his, his bow, his arrows out, and Barney's there in his wheelchair with a box, which I'm assuming probably has a gun or two in it, I'm assuming. You know what? It's a gas can. Oh, it's a gas it can. It took me a minute to figure that one out. Yeah, I, see, I didn't look at it that close, but... <laughs> That's how it ends, so I'm assuming... I, I missed it the first read through, but just now I saw what they're at. They're at that strip club. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. So they're going uh, They're going to torch his, the strip club. Right, so he's re, it's retaliation time, and he's calling in, calling in reinforcements. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it, it's a fairly slow issue, but it's, you know, supposed to be emotional. I suppose if I knew sign language, I'd get more out of it. Mm-hmm. It's possible. It, but we were talking about this before the show. It, it's a... It's kind of a dirty trick because they left us on such a bad cliffhanger and never came back yeah, to it. Yeah, and it appeared in issue 15 that, I mean, he got shot through the head. I mean, that's what it appeared, the way it was drawn. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, and they got messed up. But all he really ended up getting is some some ear damage. Four issues later. Yeah, four issues later. Yeah. And then, uh, then it took forever for this issue to come out yeah. so on top of that. So it's... So, and we have no idea how much damage is done because nobody, they, they never related to that. So like it yeah. feels like there's like a missing issue somewhere. Yeah, where like I felt like I missed something because they left issue 15. They were laying down in the stairwell. They were looked like they were. Yeah, they looked dead. Yeah, and then in this, there you know it starts out where they're in the hospital administrator's office getting yeah. signed out. So I mean it's. And then Bernie's Bernie's in a wheelchair. Yeah, he got shot up. It's hard to say how damaged he is. Said he got in the the recap part of it. Said he got shot up and Clint got ear damage, mm-hmm. which you know, okay, I I can get it. Like the, yeah, it didn't seem like there was a whole lot of dodging bullets, and it it did appear pretty pretty bad. Worse than that. But we knew that we weren't going to see Hawkeye get well, shot no. in the head. But no. you know, you'd imagine there would have been a little bit of doctor time in there, but. Well, that's why it took four issues. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and and well, a delay. Long. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and, and the, the way they've done it throughout the whole series, you know, they'll, they'll take take an issue off for a Kate Bishop story because she went her own way. Yeah. And then, well, they had the, the pizza dog issue, which was cool. Mm-hmm. Then they had that weird issue in between this also. Yeah, the weird dream. Like the Christmas or whatever, thing. Christmas they have dogs. Thing? Yeah. yeah. Mm. So, I mean, it's been kind of, I mean, it's, it's starting to, like it's almost like it's becoming unraveled a bit. I mean, they're getting back on track, but they're going to end it anyway. But is I, Matt Fraction still writing it? Yeah, 
I think this is the big run to the end. And Aja, you know, mm-hmm. obviously drawing it, and he'll probably finish it out. But I don't know. I can't remember what issue they end, they're ending on. 22, mm-hmm. I think. 22. So there's only a few more left. Yeah, not too many. Yeah, issue-wise. I mean, it's been enjoyable from the issue one. I mean, right. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, it's but been a here lately, it's just the last few issues have been kind uh, of I think okay. the delay between A and B kind of right. problems. About the uh, techniques they used to show the uh, hearing uh, damage, when people uh, had word balloons and uh, they were only just little lines and what all. Yeah, yeah. in the very, the very beginning, yeah. Because yeah. that's the first page. Because that's all he really could hear was that they were right. making noise, but he couldn't really uh, understand well, what they were saying. The entire series has done a good job with that. Like as far as like writing spots where you can't read because you wouldn't be able to read them because you're not close enough because you're a dog or whatever. Right. It, that's been something they've kind of followed. Yeah, they didn't focus like on the dog. Issue. Yeah. Certain words that he, the dog, you know, picks and up like on, whenever like, the two of them are arguing on top of the roof, and he's, he's like, "You, you're, 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 you're lip reading. I can tell you're lip reading. You can still talk. You just can't right. hear." And then from that point, he kind of like roar and he talks a little bit. But yeah, it's, so it's it's one of those things. Like I think that they've done that pretty good the entire time. I would have liked it though better if uh, on the sign language parts that uh, you know Clint uh, apparently knows uh, sign languages. He just doesn't respond. If maybe they uh, put the uh, words that they were supposed to sign underneath it. That would have been nice. Yeah. 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 Meaning. Because yeah, okay. right now it's kind of like that, uh, what's that, that dupe thing, mm. you know, it is whenever he says anything, you got to look up the, yeah. the translation. Yeah, I would never do that. Which, yeah, who's going to... Oh, there's people who do, because they, like, they like to. I'm not going to bother looking up the sign language chart or whatever. Um, like, I think you get the gist of most of it, yeah. but yeah, it would have been really nice. I, I remember when I was reading it, I was like, ooh, I don't know, I don't know if there's enough meat in here to yeah. talk about. <laughs> <laughs> but it it was a it was a good issue. It's just there's a lot of that, and it's a We've lot been of waiting for a while. Yeah. Right, it's been a while since we've done this year. It's a lot yeah. of visual stuff, and it would have been really nice to have had the translation. Yeah, I mean, not like you know, as usual, Ajah's art fits the the book and the mood of the book. He sets the mood just fine. Yeah, I mean, they're they're a good fit for this book, but right. kind of took a little long, a little bit too long to get back to this story, part of the story. Yeah, I can feel you with that. I mean, like, the Kate Bishop story's been fine. They're kind of like one-offs. Right. For the most part. But, I mean, they've been fine. They've been good, too. But Well, the out-of-order release for that, I think, was weird, too. But Yeah. I don't think it killed it, but, yeah, it's no. definitely weird. All right. Um, scorebook, Mike? Uh, I'll, I'll, since, well, they got back to there's some confusing stuff to kind of try and piece together, I mean, I'll give it a three. Okay. Craig? Oh, I'll give it a three for. It's not an easy one to jump on. This is not a first not book a for a beginner. Yeah, okay. But I can tell you. But it's a solid enough. I mean, if you've been following the thing, it uh, still illustrates his character and what all. And it's obviously a setup for a, a big action sequence in the issues to come. Well, yeah, the ending's definitely yeah. building to something. The run overall has been really good. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that. Um, yeah, I give it a three also. I mean, yeah, it, it, there's pieces in there that are a little hard to track when you're trying to get used to the sign language thing. But it, overall, like, the book was still pretty good. But, yeah, I, I agree with you that if this was the first issue for somebody to try, um, you'd be a little lost, just in general. 
Uh, Rob? Yeah, I had to do it. I wanted to give it a low one. I, I think two and a half. I really enjoy the story. I still enjoy Hawkeye a lot. But yeah, there's, with the big jump between the last parts that we saw to this, and then all the sign language in it not really being translated out, I, it kind of... I don't know, it didn't leave me going like, wow, I really got to get this. Like, I, I know the next book is going to be exciting, but this one, I don't know. I like the end sequence, although it's done a little out of order with, like, the beating up the uh, Traxy Mafia montages, but right. I don't know. You know it, it's still a good series. It's still a good issue. Um, so keep on till the end. The end's going to be huge, but this issue, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, Series never had steam for me, and it's running out of steam. It feels. Um, I'll give it a two and a half. Mm-hmm. Ms. Ross, I agree a lot with what Rob said. I would also give it a two and a half. It seems kind of confusing to jump on, and where they left you off seems like a odd thing to just jump back in with them. Well, from the two scenes, I mean, from the last scenes, and both being basically shot in the faces, yeah. and then we open up here and they're in the hospital or after whatever mm. has happened has happened. Mm. So the ground cover between A and B during the Kate Bishop story, it seems like a lot got covered that we didn't see. Yeah, it's like yeah. you missed an issue. Yeah, but I mean, and I think like. three is pretty generous for this issue. Mm. But I mm. think that I'm a little biased because of the series as a whole was yeah. right. Yeah, understandable. And, and honestly, like I was. You know, I, I'm bad because I will defend the series when I like it a lot. And I was trying to defend it to you even when we were, mm-hmm. we went back and we were looking at those panels, and I'm like, no, he could have survived that. Like, the shot could have been behind <laughs> his head or something. But, yeah, it looks pretty bad, yeah, it and it's it's really horrible not to go back and touch it Clint has all. a very compact brain. He only got dicked a little bit. Mm. Yeah, it went around <laughs> his head. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it would have been easy to, to just have like a panel with him like slightly ducking and so the concussion mm. knocked out his eardrums but not actually the way it was drawn was yeah it pretty, looked it looked pretty bad know, <clears throat> it looked very fine cut and dry yeah, yeah. either way still Hawkeye fantastic book don't give it up yet it's it's gonna be the end's gonna be huge I think right, right. Uh, we'll see stuff alright move on to some Grayson alright Son of Grey, Grayson. Nah. Number one. Okay. <laughs> so it uh, starts off with uh, with a uh, four-panel covering of uh, who uh, Dick Grayson was, his life, up until his death. Fake death. And, and his Spoiler alert. And uh, the next page is uh, is all about him uh, deciding he's uh, going to be James Bond. He's a secret agent, apparently, working for uh, agents unknown. Immediately, and he uh, hops on board. And he hops on aboard a train, and uh, apparently, he's not the only one that wants to get on board the train because he's immediately tacked on the roof by another agent. Gee. Takes out with a uh, clever ricocheting gun, yeah. not the bullet, a gun, boomerang style. Yeah. I, love, I love that part too because he's like, "There's always no one around when I do something cool." Right. right. 
is a is a boss apparently is not impre- impressed with his uh, you know, train boarding skills. So right. he's upset that nobody uh, gets to see him when he does something cool like ricochet uh, ricochet gun. But as we are to learn, he would be mistaken this time <laughs> as a shadowy other figure. Is watching. Is watching. <laughs> yes. A nearby ravine. Right. And he's like, oh, man, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically him. Radi- uh, radioing in. We don't know who he is yet, but we may in future pages. Mm. So, anyway, he hops on the train and he, uh, he uh, assimilates into the, uh, into the train and... Uh, there's a conductor on there who uh, who he talks for a minute, and he figures he's a he's a native uh, native-born Russian because everybody's speaking Russian on the Trans-Siberian Express, dude. And uh, we go on to uh, uh, the target of uh, of the train, uh, immense-looking uh, older guy. Yeah, this kind of heavy set. Um, he almost looks like a uh, like he belongs in a bar somewhere. Like he doesn't look like he's all that impressive as a person. But he's right. evidently the guy everybody's trying to get to on the train. Just a big, average-looking guy. He kind of looks like R. A. Salvatore with uh, a lot of extra pounds. Could be. Yeah, I can see that. Mm. But uh, he's uh, getting chatted up by uh, chatted up by a blonde bombshell. And uh, he makes a makes a note that uh, it's uh, hot in here, but uh, but nobody else uh, seems to think so. Yeah, he seems to be sweating a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot. My God, a lot. <laughs> well, gotta let it out. If he holds it in, he'll explode. <laughs> but uh, she offers to walk him uh, walk him to his room. Yet another agent. It's like uh, everybody on this train is a secret agent. At least half of them. Welcome to the world of espionage. Yes. Is uh, radioing into uh, into her uh, keeper. And apparently, uh, she's allied with uh, Agent uh, Thirty Seven, aka Grayson. Right. So at least uh, uh, we're only down to like uh, maybe two or three uh, uh, agencies on this train after this guy. And they uh, mentioned uh, something about uh, hypnose, uh, some sort of device that uh, that their Grayson's uh, group uses. As best I can tell, I shouldn't give anything away, Um, the the group that he's with has got a low-level psychic implant. And evidently Grayson and the other agent both have it, and it basically allows you to give subtle suggestion to manipulate somebody's opinion of you or their surroundings. It makes me think that somebody else is going to tie into his group, but I'll talk about that here a little later on after we sum up. But... uh yeah, she, uh, the blonde bombshell, and uh, the uh, guy that attacked uh, Grayson on top of the roof apparently are part of the same group, and uh, they're in trouble. Uh, now, if I'm right, doesn't uh, 
doesn't the uh, the other girl kind of start talking to him and the uh, the bombshell shuts her down and then Grayson comes in and he's like oh man why are you with this loser oh that's, oh, that's coming up because because uh, uh, Grayson uh, moves in uh, moves in and uh, he spills wine on the blonde uh, blonde bombshell first yeah. Well, didn't he, like, try to, like, flirt with her at first, and then he spills the wine on her? And yeah. so she's just like, oh, yeah. you're such a clumsy idiot. Sort of. Uh, sort of. More, yeah, like uh, more like a uh, jockey fraternity kind of uh, asshole-y kind of, uh, kind of way he was hitting yeah. the blonde. Or, uh, but uh, trying to uh, trying to get to uh, be buddies, uh, buddies with our uh, immense uh, target. And uh, and then um, all of a sudden she starts feeling the effects of the drugged wine, and uh, the uh, other agent lady uh, kind of steps in to explain why she's uh, all of a sudden tipsy and she hasn't had anything to drink. Have they said the other agent's name yet? Not yet. That's coming up. They do later, maybe. Right. Well, there's so many mysteries. <laughs> mysteries on top of mysteries, wrapped in enigmas. It was just the first issue. Mm. But uh, apparently they uh, enter. Uh, they uh, realize that uh, she's uh, SVR agents, Russian Foreign Intelligence Service of some kind. But uh, they uh, they neutralize her and uh, Grayson apparently in the meantime the uh, paralytic agent has worked on uh, on their target and he's uh, exiting the train and and uh, they talk about well you should have used the uh, hypnose device and he goes, oh no no I'm I'm not confident enough to use that. I think it might affect me or something like that. So, so anyway, he gets off the train with his acrobatic uh, skills. Yeah, he's kind of like flipping around, and he like tosses the guy at some point, and right. moves around to swing him around. So like he does a really cool kind of use of that guy's weight to help him swing around and like lose the speed from the train on his dismount. It was really well done. Mm-hmm. It was uh, easy to follow. Uh, uh, pretty good, nice splash page. And then uh, he comes under fire when they get to the bottom of the uh, bridge and uh, decides, uh, well, okay, I'll use the hypnosis device now. And and all of a sudden, they're you know, they've been long lifetime best buds, and. They're surrounded with uh, drinks and soccer and trolls. <laughs> kind of convinces them like that they that they've been out on some kind of a bender together and that they were buddies. And, right, well, some sort of Russian slogan underneath too. So yay, happy times! Mm. Convinces them to take cover in the uh, local abandoned nuclear silo. Which is actually somewhere that they wanted to be because there was a possibility of something dangerous happening with him. Yes, yes. Foreshadowing. Mm, yes. 
but uh, they're uh, followed by the uh, previously mentioned ravine standing uh, mysterious man who turns out to be the Midnighter. Oh yeah. Right. And Midnighter without the weird chin strings, like so <laughs> this is the better Midnighter. The better Midnighter? Yes. Uh, gotcha. Which kinda sets up a uh a fight between uh Robin and not Batman. Mm, yes. So Grayson and Midnighter begin to fight, and Midnighter is kind of a unique character because he's got all kinds of weird enhancements. Because he can evidently see a few seconds into the future, he seems to have enhanced strength and durability, and yet Nightwing handles him pretty well. Yep, he uh, takes uh, Midnighter takes apart his style and pretty much uh, pretty much uh, deduces you know his uh, fighting style from just a few moves. And he figures out pretty much pretty quickly that uh, which uh, group he's with is with uh, that spiral, and uh, realizes that uh, if he doesn't defeat him here and now, he's uh, he's not going to even remember what he looks like uh, after he's gone. But just as the fight's going to continue, and uh, Midnighter has the upper hand. Uh, all of a sudden, he gets blasted with some crazy energy and rockets him through the uh, side of the uh, of the uh, reactor core. And uh, our mysterious target uh, doesn't seem to be uh, very happy. It looked like he was, he was glowing and he's like sweating like crazy. The blast may have came from him. Mm-hmm. Oh so, well, yeah, I helped you because that's what friends do. But uh, but I overheard what he was uh, what uh, Midnighter was talking about, and uh, you put the whammy on me basically. I don't know if they've revealed what's going on with him yet mm-hmm. in there. But I don't think it'll hurt to, to just throw it out there now. It sounds like this scientist, along with another group of them, have found sort of alien body parts. And they're basically, like, smuggling them. But they're smuggling them inside of people, and they're having uh, unex- unaccounted for side effects. In this case, this guy's energy production. And that's why the Midnighter was involved with Stormwatch in the first place, because it had to do with alien tech. Or alien organs. Gotcha. Back of market style. (laughs) For a second, uh, Grayson's all uh, trying to play up. No, 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 I I am your friend. And then then he decides to take a beat and say, No, yeah, I've been using, I've been using you, and I'm... And and he comes clean to him about, uh, about, uh, him being a part of an organization and going for the uh, parts that is smuggled inside him, mm-hmm. and uh, mentions the uh, woman was trying to do uh, do the same thing too. Well, I think the big danger that we start finding is that if he uh, keeps storing energy like he is, he may explode. So it looks like it's a gambit to make him mad so that he burns off some of that extra energy before he goes meltdown. Well, yeah, he basically flips the switch from being 
Uh, I'm your friend, your buddy, to be in. Yeah, you know what? I'm just using you like everybody else. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's to make him angry, sweat out some of the, some of the, some of the rage or whatever it is. It's forcing him to get all crazy. Yeah, some of that power to blast out of him, which he's successful at. <laughs> right. Dodges a few shots, and, and then the pa- and then uh, the target uh, passes out. And then uh, back, uh, fireman carry him out to uh, uh, to his pickup zone. And then the next page is uh, a mysterious, swirly-faced dude, maybe some sort of uh, I don't know question mask. I kind of wonder myself if it's not the hypno stuff, the same stuff that he's using to misdirect the. The German guy that's keeping this guy's face a secret to them. Possibly, yeah. But this one, on him at least, is a face is swirled. Even uh, to us, and uh, the uh, Grayson, and uh, as it's uh, finally revealed, Helena Bertinelli. Uh-huh. Is, uh huh. Is she part of Halen? I think so. Yes. Yes, she is. Wasn't she on Valerie? Yeah. But but more important than her relation to Van Halen is that she is the name of the original Huntress in the old universe of Marvel, or DC, sorry. Marvel C. Right. Thought she was something to do with the Huntress at first, but... And him are hanging out with this guy who I wonder if he has a connection with Count Vertigo myself. Mm. Hmm. Hard to say. That's uh, that's mm. what I'm kind of wondering about. So anyway, it's a, a mutual back padding uh, back padding party over there with the two agents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, said that uh, they'll take care of the uh, of the guy's implant uh, a lot more uh, uh, carefully than what uh, the other uh, other uh, secret agent people would have done. Then uh, basically says uh, tell uh, tells them to get some um, rest. So later at uh, Dick Grayson's dorm. He's uh, working out, doing up plans, and seems to be calling in to a Mr. Malone under the under the code name Bird Watcher. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Apparently, he's uh, giving him uh, updates on his uh, progress with the hypnos and uh, has no idea on. Uh, had no idea on Mr. My, uh, Minos. Uh, that's the guy who's... The swirly face dude. Yeah, running the thing. Right. Glasses, old school suit. Mm-hmm. Which I kind of missed that the first time that he was talking to Mr. Malone, which is you know, one of Bruce's aliases matches Malone. Yeah. Right. So... So he's uh, calling in to probably Batman. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, and keeping him apprised of his uh, progress when he gets a knock on the door from Miss Bertinelli. And uh, 
it was a mainly a thing to uh, show that uh, she can uh, get what she wants from guys without using the uh, the power of a hypnosis device. Yeah, she she pretty much like tries to tempt him into into doing something to make a fool of himself, and he kind of does. He kind of falls for it a little bit, but in the end, it was all a gag, so she could kind of prove. She could she could still manipulate people even without the implant. Right. And then finally to wrap up, uh Mr. Minos is uh calling on his uh scientist uh wacky mad scientist babe uh on his progress on uh what is his master plan. Something about uh, about uh, him uh, continuing on from his father's work, where his uh, his uh, secret agency before was uh, cutting up and harvesting the organs of superheroes, which sounds familiar. Like we did a, uh, a comic book on that not too long ago. Hmm. But uh, apparently his goal is to find the secret identities of uh, uh, superheroes. And he's got at least a handful of uh, people on his screen, amongst which are Cyborg, The Flash, and Batman. He's got a disturbingly close idea of who Batman could be. Uncomfortably high at 89%. Bats are letting his stuff slip. Mm -hmm. What I kind of wonder is there's there's pieces of somebody in in jars behind him, too. And I couldn't make it out because I kind of thought at first it was was the scientist guy that we just saved. Body parts are floating around, but I can't. It, uh, it's hard to tell, like, if that's him or not. I'm not sure if we're supposed to know him or not. I kind of wonder if it's Agent Lynch from uh, from uh, the Gen 13 group. I don't know. I, I think I've seen him active recently again. Did you? Well, so, yeah. Agent Lynch? Yeah, I think so. Because huh. it kind of roughly looks like a shaved head, uh, you know, Wolverine, and that was kind of uh, Lynch's yeah, Lynch, thing. Yeah, Lynch looked pretty close, yeah. He's got his hair back now. It's oh, okay. crazy slashes in his face still. Mm. But yeah, I, I don't know if that character is supposed to be significant or not. I kind of thought at first it was the uh, it was the scientist, but I don't know. Anyhow, so now you had some ideas of the uh, in there that you that you were wanting to. Yeah, I was thinking. I don't know. Maybe there's a connection with Spiral and uh, Count Vertigo. <laughs> it's possible. Um, we've learned a bit about Vertigo in the Green Arrow book. At this point, he doesn't seem to be quite as well-connected as he was in the old universe. So, we'll have to see, I guess. But um, a lot of this spiral stuff is coming out of Batman, Inc. And so, some of that got a little cloudy towards Mm. the end. Because it comes out of both runs of Batman, Inc. Yeah, the interesting thing that that I came across on that was the, the Helena Bertinelli because we don't have Huntress from our world. We have Earth 2's Huntress, who's uh, Catwoman and Batman's daughter, who's also Huntress. Right. Or is also Helena. Sorry. Right. 
But uh, we don't have a Huntress for the regular Earth One. Mm-mm. So it's kind of interesting to see them bring her out. Um, Prime, yeah. Yeah. So I'm kind of surprised that she was in there to begin with. Um, hey, score book, Craig. Oh, man, there was a lot of espionage and double agents going on. <laughs> I'm glad they at least uh, <laughs> clarified a few of them <laughs> before the end of the thing. Uh, I guess I'll give it a three. The artwork's solid, and uh, it's got some nice action sequences that are easy to, uh, easy to follow, well executed. Right. Definitely a setup for the future uh, future issues. Yeah, I mean, definitely a setup issue as far as that goes. Yeah, you know, I I follow the three too. It was pretty it was pretty good. I like espionage stuff anyway. So like the double agents and the lady on the train being intercepted by the other person and the poison knockout the one the blonde chick. I don't know. I I like that kind of weirdness that in time travel. So I yeah I give it a three. And I uh, Grayson's my boy. Rob, I'm probably give it a three and a half. I was really worried about where this was going to go. But I think the book turned out really well. They used the Midnighter grade. Um, this is a much better take on Spiral, even though it's just the first issue than most of Batman Inc.'s take. So, I don't know. I'm really, I'm looking forward to it more than I thought it would be. So, really well done. I didn't even realize Spiral was in Batman Inc. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, read, I read all that, like, thoroughly, too. And That's how muddy and well, uh, well executed it was. Mm. It, it was, was very sneaky. sneaky. <laughs> it pretty much show up at the end. Yeah, most of most of the Batman Inc. Um, spiral stuff was in the the previous Batman um, Inc. run. Before New Fifty Two, mm-hmm. gotcha. and we still feel its presence in the New Fifty Two stuff, but it was mostly tied to the stuff right before. Gotcha. That, so. mm-hmm. Yeah, first pre New Fifty Two run. Kirk, I give it a three. Mm-hmm. Kind of interested, but I don't like espionage stuff. I think you probably gave it a three because uh, Nightwing has blonde hair at the beginning of it. And Tim Seeley's writing it, so that kind of <laughs> helps. <laughs> Both good things, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Ross? I'd give it a three and a half. I, I was also somewhat worried about it, worried about them changing Nightwing's character to make him fit in there. Right. I feel like they got his character really right with, between him, like, throwing his gun like a boomerang and hitting the guy and doing all the crazy acrobatics and stuff. Right. You know, that's just because you, can, character. That's because you can relate. Oh, yeah. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mike? I'll give it a three. It didn't quite hook me. Um, but Seeley's uh, he's a good writer. So right. We'll see what happens. Cool. Let's go and move on to Avengers World number 10. Bum, bum, bum. There's been a lot of things that have happened since then. And actually, Avengers World, I, I think, is one of the better not-followed Avengers titles right now. Um, the whole idea for it is that S.H.I.E.L.D. wanted a fast-action team to be able to respond to crises all over the world. And so Iron Man, Captain America, and Hulk, or uh, Bruce Banner, uh, selected groups that would respond to different regions' issues. And so, right off the bat, we've actually got three big events that are going on all simultaneously. We have, um, in Madapur, a dragon that's been risen that has the entire island on its forehead. 
in uh, in in Italy, we have one of the cities of the dead rising with supernatural beings, and Morgan Le Fay is evidently at the heart of it. Right. London. And then in um, Aim Island, I, I, Aim Island, or uh, the Barbados was what it originally was. Right. Um, Aim is evidently stealing technology from its own future to enhance itself. And uh, Cannonball and Sunspot had to go to the future to deal with the next Avengers, so the possible children of some of the current Avengers, which led to the great Back to the Future line of, Marty, it's about your kids. (laughs) It was fantastic at the end of last issue. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we begin with like everything going to heck in the big splash pages. So we got Mandapore flying around on top of a dragon's head with all sorts of F-18 uh, fire fighters out there shooting at it. And they're not having a whole lot of luck. And London, of course, is now like filled with those of the you know the zombies rising up to the, the street level. And then from Barbados, we have all sorts of AIM soldiers flying off in, like, Iron Man-style AIM uniforms. Yeah. Ready to, like, attack the city. And then we flash to uh, what's going on in the helicarrier. And, like, um, uh, Hill was trying to keep track of what's going on all over the place and, like, where to best suit her soldiers, or AIM's forces, I should say. Right. And, like, Tony and Captain America are kind of like, yeah, no, this is normal. You know, we've already got people in position just... Let us deal with it, and it'll happen. Right. And she's kind of freaking out about it. And about halfway through her freakout, and trying to like order people around what they're going to do, uh, one of the techs comes up to her and basically tells her, like, well, you got to see what's going on on the television. And she's like, do I look like I want to watch TV right now? Right. She's like, no, you got to see this. And we turn it on, and it's like a, some kind of a talk show. And the leader of AIM right now, the uh, calls himself the Scientist Supreme, has come on... And he was basically, like, doing the spin play, which, um, you know, that was one of the things that Norman was so good at that most of the rest of, like, the Marvel heroes are not, is manipulating the media into believing that what they're saying or they're doing is right. Right. Well, yeah, they, that whole that whole spin to it is, is definitely interesting, the way they went with that, and the way it opens up. Like, the, everything she's ordering for them to look for is this guy. She's like, fine, give me a video on this... On on God, what's his name? There's, it's I know he's the man. science of supreme right now, but I'll see if I can find his real name. That's right. She she she's that's what Maria's ordering everyone to do, and then uh, the girl who's tapping her on the shoulder is like, yeah, uh, he's on TV. So yeah, it's, I don't know, it's pretty funny because she's definitely spinning where she's at. Like Cap and and Banner are both just kind of standing there looking at everything. It, yeah, it's pretty. I, know, I thought it was pretty cool. Anyway. He's basically coming on and being like, oh, you know, everybody kind of thinks bad about AIM, but we're just in it for the science, and we're just going to make we're gonna make the world a better place, and we're going to announce a, a totally free and renewable energy source and make, make everything better. Make fossil fuels obsolete. Oh, yeah, you know, like, the, the future is bright with AIM helping us all. You know, and Maria's just like, oh, my gosh, now what are we going to do about this? Like, the guy's out there, and he's kicking our butt without throwing any punches. Right. But, you know, we all know that AIM never is that clandestine. They're evil. <laughs> and then, no. it starts, uh, then we find out that uh, the shield's being hacked. 
And they're like, how is this even possible? How are we being hacked? And we wind up finding out that it's this uh, Chinese, um, basically like S.H.I.E.L.D. group calling itself Spear. And they're trying to get in contact with S.H.I.E.L.D. to let them know what's going on with the Mandatory Dragon and that the uh, Chinese superhero team, the Clandestine, is helping out with the Avengers that are there to try to fight the dragon. But, uh... Not do it too well. <laughs> well, yeah. You'd think this would be a time to tie in the Big Hero 6. You, you'd think, but, yeah, I, I don't know what the status of that is anymore. Hmm. But it's also in China, not Japan. So Well, still... Yeah. They're all Asians, right? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but, uh... Hey, You've seen them all. But basically... Oh, <laughs> no, I just... I don't think that Japan is going to help. That's why Shiro's not here. Shiro is, like, amazingly... Like, they've done such a great job of him, even in the Uncanny Avengers, just being, like, very... If it's not in Japan's interest, I don't care. <laughs> you know? And it's, it's kind of cool that he's like that. Right. <laughs> because I know that he would be like, yeah, China, they can deal with themselves. Whatever. <laughs> you know, so he wouldn't lift a finger. Dude, it's a dragon! Now, <laughs> if it comes over to China, you Japan... You guys are all about dragons, I'll deal right? with it. Over in China, they can deal with it themselves. A Chinese dragon, not a Japanese dragon. And if it's in Korea, they're both going to ignore it. <laughs> so, but uh, basically, like, uh, Captain America's like, all right, well, let's see if we can start dealing with some of this. And uh, Bruce Banner's like, oh, I know how to deal with the, the sort of the scientist supreme. If, if he wants to play the media game, I know somebody who wants to play the media game even more. And so he calls up Iron Man to go basically chat him down. Makes perfect sense. Uh, from there, they get another message from their team out, and it's um, Hawkeye's group, and they've met up with England's new superhero team, which is, uh, gosh, it's like Euroforce, I think it is. Euroforce, yep. Yeah. Which has got Black Knight in it, which is fantastic. Awesome, yeah. So. <laughs> and they're, like, battling their way through the undead, and Spider-Woman's like, I can't believe you dropped us down here and never told us that Morgan Le Fay was a part of this. Right, because Morgan's causing one to, causing it to happen. And you know, Maria's like, I don't even, I didn't even have any knowledge about that. How did you get knowledge about this? And that's when we kind of find out that Euroforce is working with them, and the Black Knight's like, Yeah, thanks for not including me in the Avengers, by the way, Captain America. It didn't bother me, like at all. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. And they have like a note in there about something that's happening with him and other issues, but. Uh, by the time Iron Man shows up, he kind of smashes through the roof of this uh, talk show. And the uh, scientist Supreme's like, oh, hey, look, here comes the billionaire who's too uh, rich to afford doors. And, like, they kind of have this whole little talk off there for a minute. And unfortunately, Tony doesn't come off very good. But uh, Tony did make a good point, which is like, I, I much preferred you whenever Modoc was in charge because you knew what Abe was about. Now you guys just want to manipulate everything. But as soon as uh, Tony starts uh, winning the argument, uh, the AIM director shuts off the feed. And it goes back to like the people that are running the uh, the channel. And like, oh, we lost our feed. Sorry about that. We'll try to reestablish it later. But we find out that uh, the Science of Supreme guy is pulling one of Tony's old tricks of having just a drone there. 
And so rather than facing Tony in that case, he winds up blowing up and, like, destroying most of the studio while Iron Man's trying to evacuate all the people in the audience. Yeah, once Iron Man realizes he's just a robot, he realizes what he's there for. <laughs> it's kind of like an ultimate distraction. Right. And so the very tail end of it is Cannonball and Sunspot showing back up, and they brought the Avengers next, which are, like, all possible timeline children of the Avengers, back from the future. And they're basically like, yeah, the future's awesome. And we learned all about how you're going to have this program where you wipe people's memories when they work with you. <laughs> and so and she like immediately says like their reverse word. And they completely forget everything they were doing. And like Cannonball's like, what happened to the pancakes I was just eating? <laughs> like, so whatever memory she had implanted had nothing to do with them being on any kind of special mission. <laughs> but uh, they were not originally supposed to bring back the next Avengers but they came back with them anyways. And so now we're going to have this kind of like possible future of the Avengers that are going to join this fight too. So in the end, we, we end with all these problems still really in flux, and the biggest thing that we see at the end that was different is that all of these AIM robots are now surrounding the White House and getting ready for a siege. And so whenever he was talking earlier on the uh, on the talk show about how, oh, I'm going to make free energy and I'm going to change the world and make all these discoveries available to everyone, he pretty much meant after he captured the White House. Mm-hmm. So. After he took over? Mm-hmm. Like dirty birdie. Well, you know, Hail Hydra and all that. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Right. Uh, I was kind of hoping that this book was going to be more about the Avengers next when when I was first looking at it because the last issue ended with that but holy cow this thing ramps up really big it's a, it's a lot of things going on at the same time but heck of an exciting book but I enjoyed it a lot cool yeah Curtis Scorebrook I'll, I'll give it a four there's don't, some action to it and don't you a, don't you laugh about Avengers World it was a good awesome. read <laughs> so I'm sorry that was uh, you going a four sure Alright. Mr. Ross? I'm probably give it a three and a half. I liked a lot of the action and I really liked the Back to the Future reference in the past one. <laughs> that was cool. That affects the score for this one apparently too, so. Well, whenever I seen it, I showed it to you because I was like, that's hilarious mm. that they pulled that. Yeah, it's awesome. When, do you like when Sunspot, when the other group comes back and they start talking about the wiping minds thing? Yeah. That's pretty funny. Mr. Mike? I'll give it a three and a half. I haven't uh, checked in on that book in a while, but uh, picking up and reading it was still enjoyable. It, it's a really, it's odd because it's not any of the main stuff, but it's been one of the more the stronger Avengers titles. I seem to juggle the three events going on pretty well. It's where you can follow it pretty easy. It's, it's I, easy to pick it up, pick it up again. Yeah, I think the only downside, like, is one of the big things about Avengers right now is that. You know, they keep going, oh, go bigger, go bigger. And so we got Hyperion, and we have Thor, and we have this and that. We have so many people, they're so powerful. But I'm... They kind of get lost in the show. Yeah, I'm happier with Shang-Chi and Black Widow and, you know, Cannonball and Sunspot doing stories. So, and and World gets to showcase some of those characters more, so... Huh? Mm, Craig? I'd probably go with three and a half. You're throwing a lot out you all at once. Right. Bill definitely has her hands full. Mm-hmm. For an exciting episode, it's just yeah, it's a a little ADD there with uh, all the characters that they throw at uh, throw at you though. 
Like, yeah. a lot of characters just get, like, one panel, and then, you know, you're off to the next thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that the, the next story was going to be more focused on one of these two events, because they've basically been doing a round robin. Each issue would focus on one of the three teams. Yeah, this one just seems work. to be, like, all of them in this one is, go. This is like, uh, here's the origin of these three issues that are, we're going to do in turn or whatever, or these three story arcs that we'll take in turn. I hope, yes, they do something like that in the future. It was a little... That's, that's how they've been running it. But, uh, yeah, this particular issue was just, like, everything all at you all mm-hmm. at once, so... I can't imagine it all ending at the same time, though, because it's still all over the place. Because we're in China, we're in Italy, we're in America. Right. So it's good art. It's good to follow. Uh, it was. It took a minute to realize that it was supposed to be Banner, because I haven't seen him in forever. Oh yeah. Yeah. Usually he's always hulked out. Mm-hmm. So Banner, the scientist, for a change. Yeah. Which is kind of fun too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some narky comments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I give it a two and a half. The art's really good. The story is pretty fun. Um, I just haven't checked into the book in a while, and like the aim stuff. At least some of you the aim. God, <laughs> I mean, as far as like villain groups out there, aim gets hardly any use at all. But yeah, I don't know. It, it is fun. As far as books are concerned, there's a lot happening in it, and yeah, with the A-lister sort of sidelined, you get to see some of the other characters doing things, but. I do like how they came across with the whole, like, talk show thing with Iron Man. That was pretty cool. And the catch it in with the kids, that was pretty cool, too, so... That's not a bad idea to fight a media whore with a media whore, right? No, it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Perfect sense. Good stuff. I give it a three and a half. Um, I really enjoyed it. I think I think Avengers World is one that people kind of gloss over, and it's actually a fantastic story, so... Uh, I'm excited to see where it's going. I, so, right on. Cool. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and run a uh, let's run an interview from uh, the Dimmercon, uh, 2014. This is Dan. Uh, Dan Scotty. Dan Scotty. The book he's he's working on, San Hannibal. Right? San Hannibal. Yeah. Writing, drawing, so. And of course the uh, the foul. Yeah. Oh right, yeah. This is his own. Um, book that he's doing on his own. And if you get a chance, pick those up. Oh, yeah. Each one, it's bound with nothing on it, but they add stuff to it. Uh, you're talking so, about the foul. Right? Yeah. Yeah, the so, foul, each each issue is like, it looks like somebody's journal with like a little uh, sticky note on the top of it. It's just got random writing on it, but each one is kind of like its own different thing. That's cool. Uh, and this was actually what this was his first interview. Yeah, oh, he's a fun guy too. I mean, we we got to run the bus with him a couple of times. It's pretty fun. So yeah, it was cool. Anyway, so let's go and run that. We're going to run that uh, interview now. My name is Dan Scotty, uh, and I'm I'm happy to be here. Excellent. This is Dan Scotty, and this is Robert, Mike, Mike. and then uh, we're with Top 5 Comics, doing the Top 5 Comics podcast, and um, we wanted to go ahead and talk to you today. Uh, the first question that I really want to ask you is, is, when did you know that this was really what you wanted to do? Well, I liked comics since I was a, a tiny child. I used to make uh, Xerox copies of, like, 
Spider-Man meets Big Guy and Rusty fan comics and sell them around my neighborhood. Okay. Um, I actually didn't, I didn't really know that this is something that I wanted to do full stop until uh, I got a chance to meet Neil Gaiman when I was uh, 17. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, I just put my first little, um, like, proper comic book together with, like, non-licensed characters and everything. And I was, uh, I'd made a bunch of ash cans and I was sort of moving around San Diego Comic Con with them. Uh, and somebody, I, I happened to end up at an event and somebody put me in front of Neil Gaiman and getting to meet him, uh, that, that somehow solidified that I, I want to be some dude that some weird 17 year old me thinks like, I want to do comics. <laughs> okay. I remember we were talking about it uh, before. You were talking about the, the person that got kind of set up doing ash cans and stuff. Yeah, that was that and Lash, uh, creator, artist, everything of Supernatural Law, and uh, uh, also the the timeless author of uh, The Punisher Meets Archie, um, a, a modern classic. It is. Uh, he uh, he's a he was living in San Diego at the same time I was, and I happened to run into him at a, a blood drive when I was uh, sixteen. And when I finally put my own book together, I sought him out, and he invited me to his uh, his creepy little studio between the the foreign shop and the Italian restaurant, uh, which was awesome to me to go up into this space. It's all full of like you know movie monster memorabilia and, and original art and things. Uh, and he he just broke it down for me how you need to promote yourself and how you need to uh, how you need to just give it away because you're going to make more of it and not be so so precious with your ideas. That was huge for me. Hmm. Okay. I can, I can do that. And now you're, you're set up to go to San Diego as, as a vendor now. Well. Yes. So it's kind of like it's, full circle for you. Yeah. It. Like, uh, San Diego Comic Con, you know, the biggest comic convention in the world, is always going to be Batten's convention to me because the studio was, like, you could see the convention center from the studio. Uh, that convention was all about his advice to me. So to be able to go back and be there as an actual creator with a book, Stan Hannibal and the Fowl, uh, is uh, is a big thing. I don't know. I'm out of words. That's right. Now, I, you were talking about doing your own takes off of, of the comics that were already out there. So and evidently you were reading comics when you were growing up. Oh, it's tons of them, yeah. yeah. Did you have a particular one that you were like a big fan of, or...? I was always a big Daredevil guy. Yeah? Yeah. Um, I probably because I grew up Catholic, and, uh, okay. you know, a, a devil guy fighting crime seemed pretty cool to me. Um, I also loved uh, Doctor Strange. I loved the Steve Ditko original Doctor Strange. The the art was so uh, so liberating and creepy, um, and uh, and it, it seemed like it was part of a, a another part of American culture I, I didn't get to experience growing up. Catholic in Texas. Uh, so Steve Ditko is a, a huge hero of mine, which then would lead into Frank Miller, and then I find out he also did Daredevil. Holy crap! Yeah. <laughs> um, so that that whole cadre of uh, of you know really excellent you know Steve Ditko, Frank Miller, Baton Lash artists uh, were were very huge to me. Even after I found out that half of them were right wing crazy. <laughs> Well, maybe that makes a better story. You know, I think so. <laughs> it, it's whatever... It, you can go into whatever madness you want as long as you bring back something from it. There you go. That's good for a writer. That's good for an artist. Yeah. That's good for everybody. Did you ever uh, see Dick Coe's Charleston stuff? 
Yes. Oh God, the question yeah. is, uh, as an adult, my, my favorite superhero full stop. Right. Even though no two versions of them are the same. Yeah. Um, no, that's true. And, uh, you know, the, the question, um, some of his, his weirder stuff, like uh, the missing man, who is just like four limbs and a face, yeah. goes around and fights crime. Um, the, my, my, my gem of a superhero, who I think only appeared in like six pages of content, uh, the um, Killjoy. Yeah. Killjoy, this guy in a, in a red suit and a little laughing mask, who just bombs in on criminals and ruins their day. And they're like, it's so unfair. <laughs> Why? Why did he have to do this? What was that book you did with Dave Stevens? The Apostle Man, was it? That's what it was. I think so. With yeah, the Rocketeer and the yeah. Apostle Man. Yeah. Ah, jeez. If there was an era of comics I would have loved to have been a part of instead of this one, this one's great and awesome, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But if I could have been part of comics in the, the mid to late 80s, yeah. that would have been... I, I, I wish I had gotten around to getting born earlier <laughs> so I could have been part of that maybe you could have stirred the shadow in the right direction in the late 80s yeah something that I, didn't resemble robots <laughs> I, I'm the biggest Kyle Baker fan you'll ever meet oh, yeah. but Robo Shadow was an interesting way for him and Andy Heffler to, to go at that particular time into the superhero genre yes yeah. in, in the most chromium age way possible yep, yep. It, was a, it was a good time and an awkward time for the comic books at that age. <laughs> it was a time where you had the same sort of tier of creators doing classics and like direct, just indiscriminately. Yeah. This is true. Yeah. They got their name out there. They put their name on what they thought they sell. Yeah. No, it's cool. You know, they were trying stuff. You know, I actually saw a skate man cosplayer around the convention. Neil Adams skate man. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Part of that same group of like really great creators doing interesting stuff. Right. And it, it was a, a female skate man costume. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Two serums. Right. <laughs> now I've actually seen everything. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's only here that you can see such mix-ups and such, like, oh. specific mix-ups. God, it's, it's awesome. I, I, I love this convention so much. Yeah. It's been, it's been a really good one. For, for this being the third year, holy cow. Yeah. So, See, it'll keep getting bigger, I guess. So, some modern comics. Yeah. Do you have any uh, want to write a particular character? Did we cover that yet? I know. Because I would love to see your take on Shadow, written or drawn. I would love to do either. I I would I would sell a kidney to write Blade. Oh wow! I, just, I really like Blade. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. I like his aesthetic and all that. Uh, I don't see why not. Nobody's using him right now. Well, that's not sure he's in Mighty, I guess. But, yeah. but I would like to see something out of continuity. You know what I mean? From you, oh, yeah. I think that would be... Where you get the freedom, I think you would have... Like everybody, I've, I've got my my like idea of, like, if I could... If I could do the Fantastic Four, but have it not be in continuity, you know, right. all that stuff. But, like, realistic goals... Um, Aquaman. I'd li- I'd, why not? I'd love to do. Yeah, he he lives in the ocean like command sharks. That's that's scary. I would love to do like a horror Aquaman. Book. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, that would be awesome. Yeah. The, the great thing about superheroes as fictional devices is that they they exist just to solve problems. Yeah. Um, and most of the thrill of comics comes from you know setting up a, a problem for like three pages, uh, and then having them come in and solve it for the rest of the issue. Or, you know, 
nowadays it's like two issues of problem and then four issues of solution. Um, True. I would love to push that more. Like I, I'd like to do a Twin Peaks style horror thing in Metropolis okay. and, and have have you know a super powered character like you know Superman or Versteel, who I also really love, just not be able to solve it at all. Right. And it's just horrible. Right. And then things turn out kind of okay, but everyone's disturbed by it. Yeah. Um, well, he yeah. goes on the back burner. Exactly. And then 20 years later, they open a cold case. <laughs> it's like, we're not going to deal with that right now. We're going to let, like, the question of Dr. Fate sort it out for a while, and then maybe we'll look in on it. Right. And you've, uh, you mentioned Dr. Strange. Yes, Do you have love. any ideas for Dr. Strange? Oh, I definitely have ideas for Yeah? I, I would love, like, you guys know The Good Wife? Mm-hmm. Um, the Good Wife is my favorite superhero show ever. Okay. Um, and I would love to do a, like, a more law firm type approach to Doctor Strange, where he, he like he gets Shang Chi and and guys to do his legwork for him, uh-huh. and then like he he's got to study, he's got to like be the Sorcerer Supreme. He has people do all that stuff, all that little you know finding the bad guy stuff for him. Right. And then he like bombs in and does stuff. They I, do the legwork. He takes care of it. Exactly. Okay. I would like to do like the Good Wife Doctor Strange. Okay, I can understand that. You mentioned Shane too. You know, Mike's a huge fan. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I have that stuff that's good. It's been my favorite ever since. The Paul Galacy Shane Chu stuff is just important. I have a Paul Galacy story actually. Really? He lives in in Portland, uh, and so do I. Uh, I used to work at like Art Materials uh, in Beaverton, and he would uh, would go into that shop to buy his pen. Uh, we never had his pens, by the way. I don't know why he kept coming into our shop. We just we didn't carry them. Um, so I, I also, you know, obviously I draw comics and I have them scanned at a, at a Kinko's or a FedEx nearby. Um, and one day I get a call saying I left some art behind. So I, I drive to the, the shop and uh, they say, you really need to be more careful about this. And they put a piece of Paul Glacey original art on the table from a, a G.I. Joe story he's doing with IDW. Uh, and and I, I don't tell them it's not mine for like five minutes, so I just want to look at it. Because it's stuff he's doing really quickly, and and he's he's just like getting it out there and going on to the next page, and it's still gorgeous. Like the the skill he has is amazing, and his black and white balance is it's such an inspiration on me doing black and white comics too. Um, so then I went back to my my job and went through our little database and found his email and got in touch with him. And said there has been a mix-up. Um, so I. By, by blind coincidence, I got Paul Glacey back some of his art that Kinko's made. Did you get to meet him? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I met him at work a couple of times, and then I uh, I got to meet him after this, too. He's a really, really cool guy. Yeah? Yeah. Down to earth? Oh, he's, a, he's down to earth in that way that a lot of comic artists at his age are. We're like, they're down to earth, but they're also kind of on Mars. Yeah. At the time. Oh, yeah, because they they're always thinking. Yeah. They've got that creative brain. And every once in a while, they'll be talking to you and looking at you, and then you'll see them kind of like their eyes glaze a little bit because they've just started thinking of something. Right. And then after that, you're kind of just talking to their answering service. Yeah. For a while. You spark that idea, and then it goes to pace. <laughs> he, he drew, we did this uh, signing at I Like Comics, which is my local shop that I love to go to. Uh, and they, they had the sheet all the artists were drawing on, and he drew me a Dr. Strange. Oh, that's cool. Really awesome. Oh, that would be amazing. His hand was all in front of his face, which I thought was kind of boss. Like he drew yeah. Strange's hand yeah. in front. Uh, I love when artists, you say, draw me Batman, 
and they draw Batman like behind a tree yeah. or something. Yeah. Uh, no, I've, I've seen that from that uh, cover that you had yesterday, where it's kind of like the shadow, but you see the shadow's hand. In the dark yeah. Room. So I, I understand that. That's awesome. Very cool. Um, if there was like, I don't know, one artist past or present that you wanted to meet, who would you like to meet? Just pick their brain. Oh man, how do you not say Jack Kirby? Okay, it's true. Uh, I mean, that's that's the easy choice. The uh, the little more um, not Jack Kirby choice would be Jack Cole, uh, creator of Plastic Man, and also really the creator of the the Playboy magazine Good Girl Art. Okay, um, yeah. And he also invented other stuff. Those police comics. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you have Plastic Man right next to the Spirit, which yeah. I thought was kind of funny. Um, but he was just such a an interesting troubled man. Um, he wants a, he bicycled across the country to go to the Olympics, only to get there and realize he had to pay. Uh, and he, he had, I don't know, he, he had an interesting family life. He, uh, he was a terrific talent. He had great demons. I don't know, he just seemed like he'd be a cool guy to get to say that I met. Mm-hmm. And to learn from, he was an extremely talented draftsman. Yeah. Like, I'll be cool, too. Like yeah. And I think everybody should meet, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Fletcher, Fletcher Hanks, the creator of Phantom and uh, Stardust Super Wizard. Yeah. Like that. Uh, they collected all this stuff in a, a big tome called uh, I Shall Destroy All the Civilized Planets. Um, <laughs> just some of the, the weirdest, like, body horror Golden Age comics you'll ever read. And I just want to meet him because he seemed like a really horrible man. And, uh, you know, I want to meet Jack Kirby, the Saint of Comics. I want to meet... Uh, Jack Cole, kind of the, the weird, you know, Ezekiel comics. And then I want to meet Fletcher Hanks, just like the worst guy in comics ever. <laughs> Beats his kids, draws horrible comics. Right. Yeah. Just for a second. Sit down with my little owner, the reporter, like, tell me about your child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, this actually goes back to something you were saying earlier. Um, do you prefer to do stories that are like a single issue, or do you like to do arcs? Well, the way that I I was able to get my momentum in comics is by doing done in one stories. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it be you know twenty page issues or just eight page stories, uh, I found that that gave me not only the ability to finish a story and sort of gain gain confidence from that, um, but it also gave me a chance to work with other artists. Like I was on. DeviantArt. DeviantArt really got me my, my start. Mm-hmm. Um, people would like comics I was posting and they'd want to draw a comic that I wrote. And that, you know, that enabled me to learn how to write for other artists. Uh, I got to draw things other people wrote. Um, so, because of that, you know, with The Foul, the comic that uh, I'm doing with Jesse Samlin, we do eight-page stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of them are two parts or whatever, but mostly they're done in one. So I like that because of the energy uh, you get because it forces you to keep your plots really tight and keep things moving. Um, the longest thing I've written is, is Sam Hannibal, that five-part miniseries. Um, but even those issues, uh, they each have their own identity and they each sort of tell a complete story. It's only a story that ends horribly if you don't read the next issue. Yeah. True. Uh, okay. Very true. that. If you could bring five things with you to a desert island, what would you bring? Okay. Electra Lives Again, uh, Frank Miller and Lynn Barley. Um, I would probably do... you got to do Watchmen just because it's the Bible and sometimes you need to reference stuff. Okay. Uh, I would do... Uh, 
probably Jack Kirby's um, uh, Demon figure was on me. Uh, All Star Batman and Robin. Uh, sorry, just regular old Batman and Robin with Frank uh, with uh, Frank Quietly and Grant Morrison. I think okay. those are just some of the the best boilerplate superhero comics that have come out in a long time. Yeah. I've got one left. Uh, let's just say Elfquest. Why not? I might need somebody. Like, it's cool art, and somebody might be like, I'm not into superheroes, but I meet on the desert islands. Yeah, uh, okay. Like, oh, right. There you go. Uh, All right. If you were in a fantasy land, would you ride a chocolate pony? No. No? No. Maybe it gets stains on me and I attract ants and stuff. I don't know the rules of this fantasy land you brought me in. This is true. i got to evaluate my stuff, man. <laughs> Nothing ruins your day, like having a whole bunch of chocolate all over your mouth. Right? I'm not just intolerant. Maybe it's not like 100% pure cacao. Give it to us most seriously. That's true. That's true. I never thought about the ants. Right. That could be bad news. I was thinking about the ants, man. Right. Hank, man. Nice. So real quick, five books to look forward to or five books to look out for? That are coming out right now, right? Outside of San Hanover. Outside, uh, obviously San Hanover. Yeah, right? San Hanover. Yeah, San Sex Criminals isn't going to stop being good anytime soon. i got to watch out for that. Um, Dead Letters, uh, uh, Christabella is writing that. It's phenomenal, and uh, again, it's just going to get better. Uh, I say something by creators who aren't important. Uh, oh, uh, Pretty Deadly, Toy Superconic, she, uh, she's also important, I failed. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see here. And this is going to seem like a shameless plug, but if you want to know how to write just humorous comics that are done in one and how to like get them out there and put them online you gotta you gotta keep watching Bat and Lash and Supernatural Law it's just it's, it's really solid comedy stuff and it, it's a great thing to sort of learn from yeah yeah I can see them right yeah. now uh, and then the last book that's coming out you gotta watch out for um, well Moon Knight's ending so can't do that oh uh, yeah man. I know yeah he's leaving it well then, uh, let's do a different Warren Ellis thing. He's doing uh, the the Blue Rose, Supreme, the Blue Rose. Okay, it looks yeah. really interesting, but it looks like a book with a lot of charisma, and uh, I think it's going to be worth checking out. Also look forward to... Humberto Ramos. And also the world-famous... Ryan Otley. Alright. So let's uh, see uh, books to watch. Curtis? Um, Gabriel Hardman announced one called Invisible Republic. It's supposed to be a gritty sci-fi book. Keep an eye out for that. Keep looking out for uh, East to West. I know we haven't mentioned it in a while, but it's still going strong. And we just saw The Ranger and uh, Death go at, go at it last issue, so... Awesome. Keep an eye out for that. Batman and Robin's turning out to be really great. Yeah. I mean, it's been really great, but it's it's, it's been it's, really it's, yeah. It's yeah. Been really good. They, cranked, they cranked up the volumes. Oh yeah. Took it up a notch. And uh, finish out Red Lanterns. I cool. think it's going to be a good good series still. So. Mm-hmm. Ross. Because we just got done seeing Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm going to say uh, Rocket Raccoon. I really like that one. Right. Keep watching for that. And like Curtis said, Batman and Robin just continues to be awesome and get, it gets better every time all this is he's like. I know. Yeah, they just actually exploded off of the Guardians because uh, we got a whole new chapter for them coming out where they introduced 
Venom and uh, Captain Marvel into it, and then also the legendary Star Lord got his own story along with Rocket Raccoon. So it'd be like three titles for Guardians now. Right, Mr. Mike. Well, to the upcoming uh, uh, Scott Snyder and Jock book, Witches. Mm. Uh, it's supposed to be pretty uh, heavy on the horror. Darn. Um, looks pretty good. Then I noticed there's like a four-parter um, written by uh, Robert Napton and Seamus Kevin Fahey. Hmm. It's called Cutter. Hmm. It's about that kid you used to pick on in school. <laughs> uh, and then when you get older, it turns out he might be a serial killer. It might come back to haunt you. Sounds kind of interesting. Oh, all right. There's also, I noticed there's a uh, East of West one shot called East of West World coming up. Right. Kind of like a companion book. Yeah. But there are plot points in it that you need to. Hmm. Sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. So anybody who's reading East of West probably ought to pick that up. Right. Really quick, that witches. Scott Snyder says that that's the scariest thing he's ever written. Wow. He has to stop himself from writing it sometimes. Yeah, he has yeah. to get up and walk away for a little while. Damn. He freaks himself out. That's cool. That should be good. Craig? Well, on the not-so-scary side, there's Monster Motors. All right. Check it out. It's uh, Universal Mon- um, Universal Monsters, if they were cars. <laughs> right. Also trucks. <laughs> and buggies. <laughs> right on. Um, okay, so uh, I would give you, this is like maybe two months out still. Um, we're going to have Action Lab dropping a couple new books come out. Uh, Midnight Tiger, which we've talked about once before, at least. And then uh, Stray, which we may have mentioned before during the Kickstarter campaign, which this last week, whenever San Diego happened, Stray, um, Vito... Uh, Dosante. Dosante. His book got signed to Action Lab as well. So uh, at this point, uh, both books are going to come out from the same universe. And we we actually got a really cool interview with the two of them, Uh the Ray Anthony Height Ray Anthony Height and uh, and Vito in San Diego this last uh, week and that'll be really cool we'll put that in an episode pretty soon yeah they're amazingly exciting like they're they're not a team but they're sharing their world with each other right and like just the energy that they give off makes me think this is going to be a huge series right and both books look really fun they kind of Seem to fit that niche where now that we don't have Nightwing, we have we have we have Grayson instead. Both of them seem to lend towards that style book, like what Grayson was. And or not Grayson, sorry, what Nightwing was. Last podcast we mentioned Lark and Eagle. They were funded. Oh, nice. And uh, Lark and Eagle are supposed to make an appearance in Strain Number Three. Oh. So they may get picked up by Action Lab Two, which would be awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, the cool thing is that you know. From Ray, he was like, yeah, even if we didn't get to be in the same company, we always planned to have the two mm-hmm. connect. Be the same universe, yeah. So, but, I, like, I, from from the energy they had, like, I don't see any reason that Midnight Tiger and Stray will not be, like, the next Invincible, like, the next superhero whole universe that's going right. to be fantastic. Yeah, so. yeah but they're both posed, posed on that point where they could be, and both, both of them are pretty decent writers, and... Uh, they're both really cool guys. Yeah, I'm super excited to check it out. So. Right. Don't forget Mercenary C. Yeah, right. <laughs> I say I say I say to watch both those books. Super Mercenary solid. Uh, super solid war story. Yeah. Rob. Um, 
they're going to do another take on Colder here soon. Mm-hmm. This looks even crazier than the first Colder. So if you enjoyed that, keep your eyes out. That's going to be a big story. Um, what they're adding to their Doctor Who library with doing the 12th Doctor right. out of Titan. Um, they're Ask gonna take, Mike how much he likes the Doctor. Mm. Doctor freaks me out. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to take another stab at doing Elric in... Um, Hardcover trades, I guess, from Titan as well. Yeah. Look fantastic, but once again, it is Elric, so if you're interested in that world, it might be something cool, but. I have a feeling it's going to be this, the, it, the series from uh, Boom, just reissued, and then maybe new stuff after that. There's, there's a lot of books of Elric. Right. And so. Novel style. Yeah. yeah. This is, uh, I guess, the Thorn. Like, I think it's like the Ruby Thorn, hmm. I think it was. But it, it looks fantastic, so if you're a fantasy fan, you might might be interested in that. And then um, I we just uh, just got done with uh, checking out the Prometheus project, which is still ways because it's going to be Pantheon, Pantheon project. I'm yeah. sorry for for Action Lab, and it is it's dynamite. It's really legit. So <laughs> I was very happy to read those. <clears throat> I'm a little behind, but they were great. Hmm. No, but that's that's still I don't think has had its release yet, so it's still down the road. No, least. I don't, I don't know, I don't think it's been through Diamond yet. Not yet. So, right. so we got our giveaway. We're gonna announce if that's all right with you. Oh yeah, sure. So uh, I'll have Ross uh, give me a number between one and nine. Tough choice. A lot of numbers there. Maybe go with number seven. Seven. That would be. A gentleman by the name of Savior at BlimeySavior.com. Savior, if you listen, contact us on Twitter at Top5Podcaster, and uh, we will uh, give you our two signed Dave Wall books, one a Top5 exclusive, and a Volume 2 of Animal Man. So contact us there, and we'll get, we'll get with you, and uh, we'll get them out to you. And uh, if you're looking to be a part of these great contests that we just started doing, you need to follow us on Twitter? Yes, sir. All right. And the Twitter is? At Top5Podcast, five spelled out, or at Top5Podcaster with the number five. Where you will learn awesome things about Top5 Comics Podcasting and all sorts of irrelevant stuff because it's Twitter. And that's what you put on there. You exactly. Put, you put important stuff right next to irrelevant stuff. <laughs> and that's how it goes. I love taco salad. By the way, you can win a new car. Yay! <laughs> I like taco salad, too. Nice. <laughs> so post on the taco salad and then try for the new car. No, I just like taco salad. Oh, well, okay, sir. I also <laughs> enjoy taco salad. Thanks. Can it be in my car? No. <laughs> Only if you're really hungry and get it to the drive-thru. Taco salad and driving is probably the worst mistake. Oh, don't taco salad and drive? No, not unless you're going to go straight trough style, where you just jam the taco salad against your face and try to eat before you suffocate. Oh. <laughs> Man. Good to know. Which is like a contest in itself. That's my airbag. Eat before you suffocate. <laughs> your airbag you is delicious. Mm. Oh, my God. Oh, all right, I think that's it. That's the, it. The, the, the key? The key! 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 The
Waka Zaka. 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 Waka